This podcast is for mature audiences only and may include cussing, cursing, fidgeting, rambling, insensitive or irreverent material, slurs, catchphrases, expressions, lamentations, and or degradations that aren't suitable for young folk. Also, we'll be talking about the reefer. That wizard came from the moon. Welcome to Purple Dungeon Squid, the podcast for gamers that toke. If you love the green and you love the screen, then you're in the right place, friend, because we're here to shoot the breeze on some dank strains and some video games. This week on Purple Dungeon Squid, we take some time with the team behind Hempire, a game about weed and video games. Dan breezed through God of War and got his rage on, and Andy braved the much-shitted-upon frontier with a little Mass Effect Andromeda. Ted Nugent says some stuff about marijuana. Sonic the movie? Some crazy stuff there. Who's Man Sky? No Man Sky. And WhatCulture.com brings us why gaming was infinitely better in the 90s. We'll also be settling in for our smoke sesh with our strain and our munchie of the week. So stick around for that, because it's going to be a good, good time. I'm your host, Andy, and with me as always, the one, the only, the human strap-on, Dank Dan. Andy, we have ground up enough dark matter to make the next jump. Let's say that we hit up, uh, let's say, coordinates NGC7293. I hear they've got some sick taquitos. Oh, taquitos. You know, you're, you know the way to my heart, my friend. When you need to roll it into a cylinder and make it flavorful, that's the way to do it, buddy. I mean, let me tell you, there's something uniquely powerful about stumbling into a 7-Eleven at 2 in the morning and scarfing not 3, not 4, not 7, not 15, but 20 cylindrical hot cheese pockets down into your mouth. It's a double dozen, and for the Purple Dungeon Pod, it's anti-gravity friendly encapsulated in a cylinder safely is the cheese and the flavor. I feel like on the cartoons, on the old cartoon picture shows, you could uh, you could free a, a lineup of 24 taquitos into space and just float through them, munching down jubilantly on your way uh, your way through this, the hot oozy center. I feel like that'd be the move anyway. Da, 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 da. Chomp, 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 chomp. Oh, that's the soundtrack. Da, 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 da. That's the jump, soundtrack jump, to my life. Jump, jump. Dan, good to see you, buddy. I'm excited buddy, for today's buddy, episode. Buddy. It's going to be a good one. It's a big one. It's, it's maybe one. maybe it's our best episode yet. It hasn't even happened yet, but I'm excited about it. Well, part of it, uh, the magic behind production, part of it's already happened, and we've coaxed Gently, sweetly. Did anyone ask somehow, you to pull aside the, the curtain, Dan? Did it, I mean, we've had this talk before. Your bedroom window, the shower, mm-hmm. the right. behind the scenes at the Purple Dungeon Squid. Right. It's all equally wrong. Oh, I see. Well, I thought curtains were meant to be pulled aside gently. Yeah, well, that's not what the restraining order says. But um, welcome aboard, folks. If this is your first <laughs> round with the Purple Dungeon Squid, uh, we are a podcast about video games and weed. Weed, like the weed that you put in your peep and smoke it. Is that right, Dan? It is indeed. 
I feel off to a groovy start here. I'm coming off of uh, I'm coming off of the excitement of the the. Well, should we should we go ahead and spill the beans on it, Dan? I was mid bean spillage. <laughs> I was <laughs> spilling the beans, and you grab the beans and you put them back in the container. Let me let me let me cut you off. Let me recut you off and say it's the best episode because we gently coaxed a legitimate organization out of the podcast. Isn't that great? <laughs> Listen, you made it through that whole explanation without me accusing you of anything inappropriate. Well done, sir. It, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful space we live in. Yeah, so we um, we have the wonderful folks from Hempire on our podcast here a little bit later. They decided to uh, to jump on and tell us a little bit about their game, which is an iOS game. Actually, I should stop saying that. It's a mobile game. It's available on Android, too, for the plebs that you know have those phones, I imagine. Alienating fans, one fan at a time. It's like alienating eighty percent. <laughs> you should, just, you should of call them. Now. You should call them out by name next time, Andy. Just be like Tom <laughs> Jones. Fuck you, Alex McCuffin. Fuck you. <laughs> Two fingers yeah, to the sky, we're the, baby. We're the boys that are still like locked in the playpen that says iPhone on it. We're like it's safe in here. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It's more expensive, but I feel safe. It's a warm, comfortable room. It's a warm, comfortable. It's like it's kind of like you know financing yourself to the hilt to afford a suburb house you know it's it just something feels right about it even though it's financially just terrifying so um my paycheck gently lands in my account every wednesday and one of my android friends just to mock how limited my phone is has set up a script that sends me a text messages a text message that says it's wednesday my dude and randomly selects one of the uh, videos, the video memes from YouTube that has the guy saying it's Wednesday, my dude. Uh, sometimes he's in a Spider-Man costume. Sometimes he's a frog. But I, I was like, how are you doing this? He's like, oh, I set up on a script on my Android and does all these things. And I can remote to my computer from home. And I'm like, I, hey, have you ever heard of iMessage? It's blue. It's blue. <laughs> <laughs> the, mes- the messages are blue. The messages are all blue, and they work through the Wi-Fi's. The Wi-Fi's. The Wi-Fi's. Yeah, um, you know what, man? The thing with and well, I don't know if we're gonna go into an iOS versus Android debate. I, the, I'm seeing way more Android than I am iPhone these days, which is shocking me a bit because I feel I feel well behind the curve. I feel like have we gone into this space where I'm a late adopter of something that's become mainstream? It seems that way. You know, I think people just want to go a little bit more gentle on on the old pocketbook and that's maybe fair yeah and i gotta say i'm closer than i've ever been to buying an android just based on the fact that the new iphones uh have combined the charging and audio ports um doesn't work for me bud no it's so right i mean i literally went out the shill i am and bought you know a 200 hundred dollar pair of wireless headphones so that i couldn't have to contend with the limitation of not being able to charge my phone and use headphones at the same time i mean if you know me you know i have headphones in my head literally all day um so yeah man it's it's just ah, a little bit weird but anyway Back to the world of uh, the mobile game that we got to come on our podcast. Yeah, we're, we're really excited to talk to Hempire. Obviously, we've, we just had that conversation uh, shortly before this recording, but um, you know, you'll get to learn a little bit about their game. We, we can talk a bit about it like... I mean, now we've had the interview already, and and you know we both both Dan and I have played the game quite a bit. It's interesting because mobile games are in this space where it's clear that the technology's come a long way from where mobile gaming was. I don't know, a couple years, even last year. You know what I mean? The the um, 
the quality of mobile games has definitely improved. And it's something that after taking some time to actually digest Empire, which has a lot of things I really like, and, you know, still some of those trappings of mobile games that I'm still trying to get my mind around. Um, you know, it's, it's fascinating because I do feel intrigued enough to start going down the rabbit hole a little bit further with mobile games. Where are you at with the whole thing? You know, it's, it's interesting. I've had some good success for um, games that I on the mobile that I've, I've paid some cash up front whether it be death road to canada or banner saga oh that's a good one uh, banner saga was great or um you know and one in the free-to-play realm i i got hooked into fallout shelter but you know giving a little bit of time to empire i, I gotta tip my hat to these guys it's tough to have a free-to-play game that walks the line of monetization where right. monetization makes sense you can you can put some cash into the game they are a business but it, it you know, avoiding all those pitfalls where either the game has artificial stops where if you don't pay, you're done. You know, I had to drop a lot of games like that, um, you know, or they, they weren't interesting enough. There wasn't enough depth to them. This, this game really does uh, uh, keep your attention and is genuinely fun and, you know, has some actual uh, cannabis culture and knowledge uh, woven in there and, you know, legitimately kind of brings the the whole weed game into the light you're growing and selling weed and uh you don't feel like the fbi is about to kick your door down and that's that's a special <laughs> time for all of us yeah it's cool i mean so you know let me let me because we're not going to do a formal review of the pardon me oh excuse me wow that whew, hello um we're not going to do a formal review of the game or anything especially because we're only like I'm, a, I'm about maybe six or seven hours in i think you're a good deal longer than that as per usual but um what i really like about it so far is that uh, it feels passive enough that I don't need to be stressed out about not playing it. You know what I mean? I can jump in and even if time's passed, I know exactly where to pick up the lead as well as in depth enough that I know there's a community behind it. For example, the end game is focused around, um, it's like a cannabis cup where you're breeding strains. I haven't gotten there yet, but it's, it, it's just enough of a carrot that I'm interested in progressing through all of the game to get there. And it's, it's fun stuff. You know, you're growing well-known strains of cannabis. You're, uh, you know, playing with your inputs like, um, uh, like light and like temperature and, uh, you know, you're feeding your plants and you're watering them for maximum bonuses. And then you're moving all that product to people around the block in the neighborhood. And you're actually taking some time to improve the neighborhood too, which is kind of cool. It's almost a little bit of a, like a city builder kind of thing. So it's definitely got, it's like a city builder fueled by weed, Dan. How's, how perfect is that? It's great. And speaking of city building, you're providing some cannabis to the mayor. And oh, yeah. I would like, I'd like to be hooking up the mayor. Listen, Mel Lastman, I hit me up. Let's get this going. Yeah, I mean, w one of the things about mobile games that I find really challenging is, you know, I'll, I'll go for a while and play them and then maybe just get busy or forget about them or another game will crop up and I'll, I'll find it's challenging to get back into them once I've fallen off the wagon. There's an initial excitement that, that comes upon me and, you know, I'll spend every kind of spare moment diving in and then that'll wane a little bit and I'll just, I'll just drop off. Uh, so far, Empires kept my interest. It's, it's again, it, it just feels... The, the passive is the wrong word, but it's it's a casual enough game. That's it, man. It's a casual enough game that I can play it with a joint. How, how about that? You know what I mean? It's a casual enough game that I don't have to think too hard, but at the same time, there's enough engaging stuff going on that I'm having fun clicking around. The visuals are really beautiful. And, of course, the subject matter hits close to home. Yeah, you said it. You said it. And it legitimately has a sense of humor about itself. So I'll keep going back as well, man. 
Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. And yeah, one of the, yeah. Hmm. Well, we'll talk about it all after the break. What have you been up to over the last week, my dude? It's a big week for us here in the in the in the sunny north, hasn't it? Oh, it's been uh, face meltingly hot, and I live in a hundred and eighty six year old house with no air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> it's good at holding the heat. It's got it a lot of character. It keeps the wolves out, and it keeps the heat. It keeps yeah, the heat keeps, in. Well, to be fair, like there's something about the way they built houses before people had central air that I feel like it stays relatively cool. But I'm not going to lie yeah. to you. Temperature over here hit 35, 36 degrees. Feels like 44 degrees um, over the weekend. That's Celsius. No idea what that is in the Fahrenheit. Um, like 90, 96, 97, buddy. Ninety thousand four hundred and over nine thousand Kelvin. I believe oh. steel was boiling. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it was, it was, ah, face, torch, torch meltingly hot. Yeah, buddy. It was really, it was really warm. And, you know, we, we actually spent some time by the lake, which was really nice there over at Cook's Bay, did the kayak thing. And uh, my sweet, sweet lady and I, we have a, a tradition. We go and we watch uh, fireworks in a special spot outside of Canada's Wonderland. There's a, a vacant field that the, the masses don't know about. And we, we made our way down there, and, it, and Andy, you're going to like this because you're involved in a, in a special way. So <clears throat> it's kind of great. I my don't sweet like this lady setup. and I are. Well, it's a great setup. And I don't my like sweet it at all. lady and I are. Oh, it's pretty good. Are standing in this field, and, uh, you know, there's a tender embrace, and, you know, I'm sort of gently enjoying it. And uh, my sweet lady does this thing sometimes where she's like really trying to create a moment. And what it always comes off at is as is a little bit too intense. So she grabs me and turns me to face her and looks in my eyes like we have a suicide pact that I'd forgotten about. <laughs> like, <laughs> and like she immediately drops this mode. She's like, I'm creating a moment. Like, Baby, are you trying to force a moment right now? She's like, it's perfect. The fireworks. I'm like, no, no, it's, it is good. It's wonderful. It's a magical moment. So, you know, I never want to be that guy that's taking pictures of the fireworks, but I have this tradition where I always take a picture right at the end where the big opus is going off. You know, you got the roller coasters and the fireworks are going off among them in three different places. So you want to get that perfect moment. And I'm, I'm lined up to take that, that perfect picture. And as I press the button, your face flashes up on my iPhone and says, Andy calling. And I just go, I just look at it and I go, motherfucker. And she's like, what? I'm like, Andy the Ruiner has showed up. Here he comes to wreck the day. Oh crap! I didn't. I had no uh, idea about that story. I'm really pleased with myself right now. A- a- Andy, I like you. I like you because you're like, who should I call at 10:15 right here on Canada Day? My friend Dan. Oh, <laughs> like, buddy. Oh, friend, buddy. A compliment, if nothing else. A compliment, if it nothing was, else. It was. It was so nice. She's like, and uh, my sweet lady's like, oh, he he didn't know. I'm like, he knew. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. The alarm cool. went off on your phone. It said, ruin Dan's evening. Oh, <laughs> ruin that's it. so good. That's so good. No, nah, but, but I mean, in, in all jest, it, it it was pretty funny. It actually it actually made it even funnier. What did you get up to on that, that fine evening? Probably something oh, with your family. Yeah, doing that thing, doing that thing. Now, listen, you know what? Canada Day is a beautiful time. It's the time where we get to celebrate... Uh, um, in slightly less aplomb as uh, the Fourth of July, you know, we we get we get all back to work. We've had our big holiday weekend, and and actually Fourth of July is tomorrow. So to all our American listeners, I tip my Yankee Doodle hat. I think that's what it is. No, not yeah. a Yankee Doodle hat. I mean, hey, bro, it, it, not great if you're in the South, right? So just happy Fourth. Happy Fourth. Congratulations on the the freedom and the emancipation from the British and the yeah. Tea Party and. 
Uh, no kings. Good job. Still no kings. Kind of close to that Trump guy, but you're doing all right. You're if doing he tries okay. to vote himself, if he tries to vote himself in for life, just put a stop to that, guys. Come on. <laughs> I think they call it democracy. There you go. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's 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 exciting. And you know, I got to be honest with you. The Fourth of July is one of my favorite times to travel into the U.S. I've got an American wife, and I've spent some time. Like Americans don't. Here's the best part about you know Americans versus the way that Canadians celebrate. You guys just go balls to the wall. You know, I got some customers in the United States. They just shut their shit down. They shut their shit down midweek. None of my stores are operational. I'm out. I'm celebrating. I'm drinking beer on the dock, whatever I'm doing, and they do it in style. So I got to take my hats off for that American pride. Going strong how many, and feeling good. How many hats are you wearing, Andy? Uh, boy, I've already taken off like 15 hats. You got, got like a fedora, and then on top of that fedora is a MAGA hat. Then on top of that, there's a Yankee Doodle cap, and there's a feather in it. You got a lot of hats. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me get my your- uh, let me get my Pope crown on, and we can continue the podcast. Uh, the pontiff's hat is called um, a miter. Is it called a miter? Really? That's it, a saw. A, I think that's a saw of some sort. It's a, it's a stupid hat. Um, <laughs> I also like when you said, you also have a hat that says American wife. I got myself an American wife. Uh, it's a sturdy wife. <laughs> that's, my, that's, my claim. that's my claim to the land of the free. <laughs> she was my in. Yeah. You're, you, imported, you imported your sweet, sweet paramour. And Andy... You could do no better. She Aww. is. Oh, she's a wonderful lady. Isn't that a nice thing to say? Uh, but yeah, okay. I did get up to playing some video games over the weekend. Uh, boy, I just man, I'm playing so many freaking handhelds these days, and it's just. I don't know. It's funny because in one breath, I'm having a hard time with um, I'm having a one a hard time with mobile games. You know, at Empire has been that gateway to kind of jumping back in a little bit. But on the other hand, like damn, Vita Switch just has me has me locked I, I jumped into a little bit more sweet code in two over the weekend um boy is that story ever clicking along got some new got some new party members boy i, I gotta tell you if you haven't listened to our, my sweet code in two review check it out last week it was a real good one <laughs> but uh, you know apart from the uh, self-aggrandization um yeah i just just had a nice time relaxing with the family and playing some games Nice, man. You know, it's it's a nice time to recharge and do whatever. I saw a couple blue herons. I just, it, it's it's nice. I learned how to play cribbage. You know how to play cribbage there, uh, Andy? No, no. I've never visited a nursing home. I am, yeah, I'm prepared to start collecting my pension now. <laughs> Actually, no, that's that's a complete lie. Cribbage is, <laughs> cribbage is one of my favorite card games, but <laughs> that's that's neither here nor there. You know, uh, I, I need to start learning how to throw a game because... I did what I I often do, Andy. I'll even ask you what what happened when I played cribbage. You you already know. You, you know got me well super enough. competitive. You squashed whoever you were playing with, and then no one wanted to play with you ever again. There came a moment where um, uh, my sweet lady's uh, father and grandfather had made a pact that I was not to win the next game. <laughs> it was it was he was like they're like listen, this kid goes down today, and I'm like. I may have uh, won this battle and thrown the war of uh, <laughs> of courting my sweet lady. Oh yeah, buddy. Like, well, get, get this kid, get this kid out of here. Yeah, you won the battle. You definitely lost the war. Uh, what I did win on though was I managed to pick up that PS2 that I was talking about last week. The PS2 slow. Oh, did you? I did. I'm pretty excited about it. Like my my uh, my journey back to retro gaming has been tentative. You know, yeah. Um, I question whether or not the the retro gaming world can hold my interest in among the tide 
of new releases and like it's challenging enough to keep up with new releases of games it's kind of hard to go yeah. back to games you've either already played or that you're familiar with from an era long long gone um, but I did you know I, I'm excited now I have to confess because I got a boatload of sweet games with um, with the PS2 Slim I picked up nice well so I got a copy of Dragon Ball Z Budokai Tenkaichi 3 which I had no idea what those words were for the longest time but from my understanding it's actually one of the um, the favorite games in the entire DBZ fighting series so Fighter Z came out to much critical acclaim about six months ago something like that yeah yeah Uh, and even today, people are still comparing these two games because Dragon Ball Fighter Z is, of course, the better tournament style game. It's more streamlined, you know. It's just better overall, um, a better overall streamlined gaming experience. But Budokai Tenkaichi Three is apparently the shenanigans, the hijinks game where you've got, I want to say, a couple hundred playable characters, a couple hundred playable characters, um, some sometimes extremely over or underpowered examples. Uh, but the game's about getting in there and having some wacky fighter fun. And it sounds to me like the kind of game I would love to pull out in person. You know, uh, drop a bong on the table, and enjoy five friends, and a little Budokai Takachi 3. Uh, I, I yeah, presume that, that, you're in. That game gets really interesting when you're five rounds deep on both the bangs and the rounds. I mean, that's when things get kind of wild. Oh, yeah. There you go. Bringing it all the way home. Absolutely. And, you know, Andy, <laughs> in honor of you having a PS2, I got a whack of games that I can send your way. We got some Ten- Tenchu Stealth Assassin. Oh, nice. You can get up on that. I got a bunch of Lord of the Rings titles that are worth oh, playing. Actually, man. some couch co-op titles that actually I think that you and I need to, to wade into. Oh, 100%. So you know what? Those Lord of the Rings titles on PS2 were awesome. I really I really yeah. enjoyed it. So I played through... Um, I think it was Return of the King with uh, with a cousin of mine a long time ago. And boy, that was like a full six-hour afternoon session. I think we only made it through maybe half of the game or three quarters, but it was it was exceptional. Uh, some other great couch co-op games are Champions of Norath, which is like nice. an Ever... Yeah, it's like an EverQuest spinoff, Dungeon Crawler, and I can't find that game anywhere. I've checked out like two or three retro gaming stores, um, one here, sorry, in the small town I live in, one in Toronto and one on a town in between, and none of them have it. Uh, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance is another really solid couch co-op. Um, yeah, so, boy, I'm excited about that. I also managed to get, what else did I get in that bundle? Ratchet and Clank, did you play that one? Oh, yeah, yeah, it, a good title. Yeah, I got Luminez, which is amazing, because that's one of my very favorite. You keep favorite. pimping this game up. I, like, I'm actually dying to play it. I Dude, Luminez is the best puzzle game that's ever been created, and the fact that I got it for the, in this PS2 bundle, this random dude on the G-chat, like, it just kind of blew my mind. It was almost meant to be. The crazy part about it, though, is it's still like sealed in box. So Tale this is person- old as time. <laughs> best puzzle game ever made oh, you're, you're yeah. overselling it and now i have to play it you must you must it's genuinely that good and i think it just came out for switch i haven't i haven't picked it up for i mean i have it for three platforms now so <laughs> i think i have my fill of luminous what is this skyrim yeah i know right tell me about it i i didn't even know it was released for ps2 and here i've got a sealed in box copy which i'm very excited about i'm gonna be popping the uh popping the seal on that guy probably won't keep it around for the collector's posterity but uh you know you know how we do and the crown jewel on that pile of ps2 games tony hawk pro skater 3 yeah oh man now number three didn't go too deep into it did it 
did it hold up? Was it the penultimate of the series, Andy? I, I don't I don't know that I could say that, but here's what I will say. I miss playing skateboarding games. I miss playing skateboarding video games. It was an early 2000s thing. You couldn't like walk into a blockbuster video without tripping over 16. Uh, there was Grind Session, all the Tony Hawk Pro Skater games a little bit later on in Xbox. You had Skate, um, and then a myriad of, uh, well, let's call them B titles, the lesser folk. Um, and, you know, I mean, there's something uniquely satisfying about either the super arcadey style of of shredding it up like Tony Hawk Pro Skater or even the more technical sc- style um, in skate. Overall, though, skateboarding games are something that are sorely missing from my life. I think there was one that was kickstarted recently. Have you heard about that one? Uh, yeah, I think I heard something about that. It's a bold move after the last Tony Hawk fell so hard on its face. Well, that was a long time ago, though. Well, it, it, yes, it was so long ago, and everybody simultaneously said, oh, no more skateboarding games? Okay, no more <laughs> skateboarding games. Like, uh, I mean, I got to give a shout-out to Skitchin, by the way, the world's only uh, rollerblading game. Oh, yeah, hands way up in the air on that one. Thumbs coming all the way down. Um, skate did really well, though. Skate did really well on Xbox. I think there was a Skate 2. I never played the second one. It was a super technical game, though, and I remember having a hard time getting into the groove of it. Listen, Tony Hawk Pro Skater, you're like, you're lining up your skater, you're pressing X, maybe there's a triangle in there, you know, I'm oversimplifying it, but you you get my drift. Skate was very much about balancing yourself on the board and using the thumbsticks. This new kickstarted game, again, I apologize for, for missing the title, but you're apparently using both thumbsticks as each of your feet, which sounds super complex. So it very like you yeah. have to be after you play this game, you're ready to get on a board and, and throw some hollies down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Pretty much. Now, it, the, you know, the, the thing about Tony Hawk, too, is that as a license, like, let's can you name a second skateboarder like after Tony Hawk? Who's the number two guy? Uh, Bam Margera. It's not Bam Margera. Um, but I mean, that is another name. Uh, there's, I know there's Jamie Thomas, but that's, oh, yeah. that's the only, that's the only one, uh, other one I know. But, I think that was mine know, too. He's, he's he was the, the zero guy. guy, right? He was the zero and skateboarding he, guy. He is a zero. St- look at you, man. You got some cred. So but when I, mean, I was, Bird when man, I was, I don't, I don't mean to shut you down here, but when I was 11 years old, I saved up like maybe, I don't know, maybe I was like a little older, early teenager. And I saved up my allowance for, let's call it three months. Uh, to pick up a zero skateboard, an authentic zero skateboard, because I was going to be the skateboard kid. And that zero skateboard, which probably cost about $150, um, ended up being a vehicle for my dog to pull me to the mailbox. That's that's all that happened. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. You you decided, I'm going to be the skateboarding guy. And where did that dream die? Like, where was the exact moment of death? How did you know? Oh, God. It's so Oh, Am I really? It's oh. a good. Listen, it's a good gig. It's not quite guitar band guy. Like, you're not going to be trolling that kind yeah, I did that too. of tail. But uh, uh, you, you went for it. How about yeah. skateboarding guitar guy? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, so I was. So skateboarding died for me. So I had my. Now, listen, again, early teens. So very sensitive years, right? Um, you know, very sensitive to what could be portrayed as cool or not cool. And I had my mom drive me. Yes, my mom drove me to the local skate park. And. I really wanted her to drop me off like two blocks away so I could very casually Mm -hmm. saunter up or maybe even shred in or drop from the sky on my skateboard. That didn't happen. Mom drove me right to the front of the park. Uh, And so I got out 
dusted myself off and walked over, went off of one ramp, ate shit, and that was it for skateboarding. <laughs> uh, Andy, what I liked about you is there was no dry run. You didn't amble around the neighborhood. You decided you were a pro skater from moment one and you were going to show the world. I, I, Buddy, I, I gotta tell Tony you, Tony Hawk. I played Grind Session. I already knew what it was all about. Yeah, my, my mom told me I'm the best at everything. I'm gonna step up here. I've been training and, for this for years. I love the, the 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 two different movies that play. There's the one of like how Andy thinks it's gonna go. You roll up, you kick that skateboard up into your hand. Everybody's like, "Who's this newcomer? What's that Zero Thomas shirt that he's got on?" You know, you get a couple <laughs> e- easy pushes off the boards. You you grind some rails. You drop into the tube. Everyone's like, "He's my new best friend." And then <laughs> you just eat. You're in my head right now, buddy. You you just oh, buddy. It's it. Listen. I, I've been there. My and then fragile, pubescent mind. And, and you know, the reality sets in so fast. The move here is, is you got to ollie in your front driveway about 900 times. And every time a car comes by, you hide that skateboard because nobody need, needs to see. Nobody can see these early moments. They can only see the skitchen at the very end. Um, can I tell <laughs> I you where my skateboarding... I still the physicality of an ollie. I don't know. I still don't get how it works. It's... It's like a samurai sword. Let's, you got to push yeah. and pull at the same time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Let's skip it, right past it, the part where we teach our listeners how to ollie. Yeah, let's not do that. Um, can I tell you where my skateboarding career skidded Please. to a halt? Please let us I know. Wasn't even, I wasn't even the cause. So uh, there's a very young Dan, Dan and his older brother, and uh, we had gotten some skateboards. They were banana boards, bro. Ooh, banana. But uh, we, we, met, we messed around with the banana boards for a while, and then my brother got a legitimate... Bart Simpson Bartman skateboard. Oh, nice. That's that's pretty and, actually that's pretty bad. That's like that's like a lady killing skateboard right there, especially 14. Yeah, you're killing it. Yeah, it was rad for the time. I believe the year was 1991. Um and we had decided that that was not really to get a feel f- it may have been. It I really did get a feel for this device. We needed to get up to speed on it. And the way this was going to go down is I was going to pull my brother behind the bike, my bike, while he was on a skateboard with a rope. And for safety, and this is the real cherry on the on the Sunday here, my dad had told us that this vest that he had was a bulletproof vest. Uh, spoiler, it was not. <laughs> and we had equated that this vest then would provide some level of safety <laughs> in this situation. <laughs> Now, was a helmet or elbow pads uh, employed? No, they were not. Um, right. For, uh, safety was at a lower grade at this point. So we, we, we go ahead and do this, and we said, you know, maybe we should put a ramp down at the end of the road just in case we're feeling brave. So cue to the actual operation. I'm ripping down the road. My brother's holding on. And we get to what can only be described as a ludicrous velocity. And he hits this ramp and does like a superman flight through the air and then eats just gravel and pavement um the thin vest that he's he's wearing does almost nothing bulletproof it is not gravel proof it is not and uh and i i carry my brother i'm like how was it was good i knew i was in trouble i knew that somehow this was going to be pinned on me as well (laughs) so i take my my bloody brother home and uh, the skateboard, I don't think my mom put together that the bike was involved. 
involved, but the skateboard was confiscated and, and the cool guy skateboarding movement was over. That was it. We that had it adjourned and uh, it was back to the land of the living. Yeah, man. I mean, boy, the dumb shit we did as youngins. I did. I took a, I took a ramp on a bike at one point and had I not been wearing a helmet, I 100% would be dead. What like thousand percent? I took a mountain bike to like a full sized ramp at a at a full <laughs> downhill speed, and uh, and yeah, knocked myself clear unconscious uh, through a helmet. So it was yeah. You, you know what's great? Having teeth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Danny. Anyway. I, uh, enough about our, our about our ill-advised young hijinks. This episode of Purple Dungeon Squid is brought to you by Whedon Video Games. Whedon Video Games, thank you. We salute you. I salute you. I take off one of my many hats and salute you through thick and thin, through uh, what it, rich other and things. poor, rich and poor, day night and, and day. night, day and night, fast and slow, fast and furious, Tokyo Drift. Also brought to you by Lipless Cougars. You see that large predatory mammal looking at you from the other end of the bar? It's an actual fucking cougar. Start running. (laughs) Uh, Brought to you by the wacky flashing, spinning, waving, screaming whirly gig. Are you not sure if your child has epilepsy? Good news! Not only will this toy confirm your suspicions, the wacky, flashy, spinning, screaming, waving whirly gig will also cause you to crash your car. Not purchased by you, rather a relative that secretly hates you. Uh, We accept no liability. Brought to you by Funnel Cakes, left out in the sun. He's a crispy. He's a salty. And maybe it's got a little bit of the salmonella, but you will like it. (laughs) <laughs> Listen, you can't get salmonella if you use enough whipped cream. I, I can confirm that as a fact. Brought to you by Mexico. A respectable land full of intellectuals, motivated personnel, and fantastic food. The architecture alone will thrill you. Rich, rich culture. And if it weren't for the cartel, a perfect place. <laughs> and finally, being... Mar- good, God bless you, Mexico. Good on you. Finally, good being on marooned you. on an island with nothing but hot sauce. My butt hurts so much, but there's nothing else. Sure, these taquitos are delicious, but oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Enough of that. If you want to actually sponsor the show, feel free to email us at purpledungeonsquid at gmail.com. Until then, Until then, you'll have to put up with all of this nonsense. I'll never stop. He won't. I, I really don't think at this point he will. Alrighty then, Dan. Buddy, buddy, we got some exciting stuff going on today. Oh, I'm pumped. Are you pumped? Are you feeling it? I am. I am. Okay. We have convinced someone to join us on this this <laughs> this carnival cruise of ours, and that feels that just feels right, doesn't it? I mean, I think carnival cruise is is putting it a little setting the bar a little bit too high. We're we're, we're more okay. like a river cruise, a river cruise right. through Eastern Europe, where you're not sure if you know there, there could be some kidnapping involved, some hostile situations, but it's still a good time. At least we're makes on for a, a good raft feature film. that we've strapped together with belts and body hair. <laughs> your belt my body hair am i right oh horrendous <laughs> guys so today guys we uh, we have some very special guests who decided to join us um and i say they're very special because they managed to hit both buckets of our podcast's general interest at once which is kind of kind of a rare feat because weed and video games is typically a purple dungeon squid only thing right dan that's right that's right we yes. cornered the market 
I'd, we, I'd say we're the, the only player of significance, but we did manage to find one other small company <laughs> out there that wanted to, uh, to jump on board and have a conversation on the Dungeon Squid. So if any of you have ever played the game Hempire, you're in for a treat because we actually have the team from Hempire here to talk to us a little bit about their iOS game. Um, Dan and I are both players. We're both fans. Uh, it's a solid game for killing time. Oh, you know, on the train, in the bathroom. Am I right, Dan? Uh, you are right. Two for two. Almost exclusively two for two. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're, but we're all big fans and we've got um, a good smattering of the team over here to talk to us a little bit about how they've developed this pretty wild app. Uh, so, you guys, you want to say hello? You want to introduce yourselves? Hey, hey guys. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's up? Yeah. Uh, so, my name's Jamie. I'm the community manager. Uh, we are also available on Android and Amazon. Oh, there you go. Not just iOS, excuse yeah. me. I'm, I'm a. I'm an, I'm an Apple fanboy, but oh, I'm pretty I much everybody I know. <laughs> yeah, pretty much everybody I know is moving over to the Android bucket, so I have a feeling I'll be out in the field by myself pretty soon. Yeah, um, hey guys, it's Kevin here. I'm from the marketing department. I'm the dude that sends those really annoying push messages everyone loves getting. Uh, but yeah, we're just uh, enjoying our Tuesday here, uh, having a nice hungover Canada day at the office. <laughs> I mean, what, what else? What else do you do the day after Canada Day? So it might it might understand that it's your fault that I um, I haven't rated and I have to hear about it every day. Yeah, you can say that. <laughs> Good stuff. And yeah, I'm Joe. Uh, I'm the lead designer of Empire. Yeah, really nice to meet you, Joe. Thanks for coming on board. Glad to be here. Yeah. Okay, guys. Cool. So um, being that this is our first Purple Dungeon Squid uh, interview with a, with a real live game team here, Dan, um, I think I think we should probably ask some more professional questions or, or we could just skip straight to the smoke sesh. What do you think? I think um, as our attorney recommended, we should stick to the prepared statements. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we pay him a lot of money, so we should probably right. probably go down that path. Um, you know. Uh, we may have to subsidize him with some Empire dollars. Sorry, guys, I, had, I didn't mention that up front, but it's yeah, part of our, part of our like game idea, and we'll send him some diamonds. There you go. Yes. Send him, send him some diamonds. <laughs> yes. Uh, coincidentally, his last name is Diamond. So um, <laughs> he has plenty. He has plenty of uh, infomercials. You'll know all about him. Um, cool, guys. Well, tell you what. Why don't we? Why don't we jump right into it? Because uh, I'm sure everybody knows about Empire, but for those people that don't, maybe you can tell us a little bit about it. Like, how would you? How would you describe it? Yeah, uh, Empire is, in a nutshell, a kind of rags to witches game about, you know, growing weed. Basically, you start off with a kind of home grow up, and as you succeed in life and in production, it grows into more of a hemp empire. Ah, okay. Got you. So, so it's, I mean, like we know because we've been playing it plenty, but would you call it like a weed growing simulator? Cause it feels like a little bit more than that, right? There's, there's about a thousand and one things you can participate in many of which I haven't yet. Um, but what, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's lots of stuff to do in our game, whether it's, you know, playing with other, uh, other emperors trying to climb the ranks in the leaderboards or, you know, breeding new strains that are, you know, accurate to real world, uh, names and potencies and you know you can learn a bit about about the cannabis industry as you go yeah that's cool i mean you know dan i don't know if you've had the same experience but um you know we we've jumped in and we're starting to uncover some strains uh you, you, dan have you gotten past the you, you've gotten past the the starting area right you started to uncover some new ones yeah, no, Andy, I am in the end game content right now. I'm getting a raid group together. Yeah, uh, you can fuck with that. That's enough. That's enough. Settle down. 
but I mean, so how deep does that how deep does that well go? Like I've heard mention of you know this is this is the kind of game where you're kind of managing a grow and you're selling it to different characters in the in the neighborhood and um, you know there's different uh, products you can produce out of cannabis. But you know I've only personally unlocked I think five strains so far. Um, and you know, I, I'm curious how, how does it, how does it evolve past then? Like, what does the end game look like? Yeah. So, I mean, as you get further along, um, one of the things that we, um, love that we do is we like to encourage a sense of community. So for example, we have, um, in our game, the Empire Cup, where you can grow your own strains. And then if you win your league, everybody else has to grow your strains. So people get pretty creative with names. Um, and they're like, nice. look, mom, they're growing my strain. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is something I noticed, you know, right off the bat that the, the game has this very cool story pickup. Your uh, the main character is down on his luck. He runs uh, into his uh, Uncle Dan when when he's coming out of uh, spoilers, the penitentiary. And uh, Dan puts him on the right path. And, it, and it, it feels like this the story to begin with, you know, has its ups and downs. There's a lot of drama, but it feels like it's almost like training wheels to set you up for the Empire Cup, where the game unleashes you into the the cutthroat world of uh, of you know the the cannabis cup. And uh, you know, I like that. I like that it, you you sort of there's your own growth in the game where you're you you go through the story and then it unleashes you into this larger world. Yeah, the, the Empire Cup. I'm particularly fascinated about. Uh, even if it's only because I, I desperately want to grow the Dan sucks strain, it's going to be a real, real heavy hitter. <laughs> really heavy hitter. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, but yeah, you know. So I, I'm curious, and I don't want to jump right to talking about the end game. But so you know, people get to people get to this this cannabis cup, and in what way are they competing with other people? What does that gameplay kind of look like? Because to me, it's the most exciting thing. Yeah, it's uh, basically everyone has their own uh, breeding lab where they can mix together different strains. And so at the beginning of the event, you get to name a strain, you get to choose whether it's a sativa, uh, if it's a hybrid or a indica. And during, you have like a certain amount of chances to breed your strain. And by the end of the events, the, you know, the player who has the most, uh, the highest, most potent strain wins the event. And then everyone who competed against them has to use it for a short period of time. <laughs> That's good stuff. So are you are you like um, are there is there any input stuff going on? Like I, I know right now I've got some um, uh, I, I guess it would be fertilizer to help grow the grow the cannabis and also I can upgrade my fans and upgrade my my lighting situation. So by the time people get to the Empire Cup, is that something that they usually already maxed out or are you still kind of minimizing or maximizing it? Yeah, we try to make it so that there's never really, a, uh, you know, there's always some sort of progression and uh, there's no real end game per se. Uh, we always nice. try to add new things so that uh, it keeps it interesting and exciting. You never nice. stop like growing. Mm, keep it, keep it rolling. Keep the good times smoking. Um, so how does the, how does the game, so you, you mentioned earlier that, you, you know, the game educates a little bit about cannabis and, and uh, I you know, I mean, you could say production, maybe usage, um, you know, is that something that you guys are focused on talking and educating, or excuse me, educating your, uh, you know, your end user, or is that, you know, more of a, maybe that's more of an idealistic thing. I don't know. What, what, what would you say? 
Yeah, I mean, we wanted to put an uh, undertone about the edu- educational elements about Canvas that most people probably wouldn't know about. So we, pr- we started pretty simple with straightforward. These are the different strains, and we move on to like products that you can produce. Um, but if you look deeper into the game and look into the information, you can see, you know, what are the qualities of strains, you know, potency, aroma, and stuff like this. As well as incorporating into the dialogue, we try to like put in some hints at more real life. Um, uh, elements about cannabis itself. So we try to do that with the characters as well as kind of the situations you put in. Joe, yeah, I'm glad cool. you mentioned that because, you know, playing this game, you can see you guys have really um, done your research and done the backgrounding on on the topic. Uh, what did you guys pull from to, you know, influence it, make it so information rich and so, you know, uh, have so much veracity? Oh, they scraped it all out of Leafly, Dan, obviously. Actually, um, I totally, that's actually one of the main sites. I totally did use Leafly a lot. I would just put it into the search engine and read up articles. And uh, like the, t- the oh, first cool. nine strains are directly from Leafly. And also the whole genealogy, genealogy of the strains comes directly from uh, the information I found online. Oh, that's oh, amazing. Wow. Yeah, so we steal, we steal shamelessly from Leafly every episode. So, yeah, that's, that's just that's our thing, too. <laughs> yeah, those remember guys are- what Mr. Diamond said. We are conscientious promoters of Leafly. Partners, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I don't know. If they, I mean, they're cutting, they're cutting me checks. I don't know. Are they cutting you checks yet? Or? Uh, just it's, They're paying me in hot dogs, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, well, you would be. You would be. So what do you think, Joe? I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm, again, I'm not a, I'm not a, a hemperer. Maybe I'm more of a hemp, a hemp. A yeah, hemp you're dude. a hemperer. But um, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. But, you know, the game's addictive, obviously. Um, and it's interesting because I've played plenty of mobile games before, and some are more addicting than others. And, you know, what would you say that you guys, well, maybe we'll, we'll shelve the word addictive, but what, what would you say you guys do? Excuse me. Do to make sure the game is always engaging and always interesting and you're, you're um, pardon me, your customers always want to come back for another play. So one thing that we do that's unique is we have our in-game community. So we have, um, there's a building in the game called the cafe and you tap on it and it basically opens up to like an in-game forum where you can talk to like thousands of hempers. And these are players who are super passionate about the game. So if you've got any questions, you can chat with them. Or most of the time, they're just like high and talking to each other. And that's honestly like the core <laughs> of it, right? Like you might be waiting for something to grow or waiting for your like strain to like breed. And you just like chill and talk to other people. And like, that's kind of like what's awesome about the stoner communities. Everybody's just like, there's a lot of love to go around. Um, so I would say that that's the core of like what keeps people coming back. Um, it's just like falling in love with the community. I yeah. was surprised a little bit about that. I stumbled across the forums and saw the conversations that are going on. And I was wondering, you know, when you guys kicked this off, were you intending to build a community like this? Or was this one of the happy side effects? I mean, we had planned. Uh, so we work with a company called KT Play. Um, and we planned the community from the start, but I don't think we could have imagined the strength of the community. Um, and at this point, I gotta give a shout out to like the 15 moderators that I work with. Um, I help manage um, 15 moderators called the Mod Squad. Sorry, 15 moderators? Yeah, and they dedicate like anywhere from 10 to like 40 hours of their week just like looking after the players, like helping them out. like. And, and, and they are like the heart of why the community is well. It's like when people like step out of line, they like step in and they're like, hey, that's not cool. Like we have pretty strict like anti-harassment policies and we just like, like to keep it chill. 
Um, yeah, so we work pretty hard to make sure that like everybody like has a voice and feels like safe and has fun. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I can't believe you guys have 15 moderators. That's great. That's like a it's a real it's a real team. <laughs> yeah, and they're yeah, from all you, over the world. You yeah, feel the baseball team with that one. Yeah, yeah. No, there's no there's no uh, there's no running empire out of a janitor's closet. You guys you guys have uh, you got a real real legit operation going on. Now here comes the hard hitting journalism, Jamie. Are there any perks going on for these moderators? Are you are you greasing the moderating wheels? So that's the this other really, part that's amazing really about them. They're now. like a hundred percent volunteer. We do send them a t-shirt because it's important to keep them clothed. But other than that, it's just like out of a love for like other players. Oh wow. Oh, I had no idea. That's awesome. Cool. That's really neat. Um damn. Dan, we could be, listen, we could be doing cool shit like moderating Empire. Instead, we decided uh, to start this damn podcast. <laughs> I, I, I quit the podcast. Jamie, I, <laughs> hit me up. HMU. Um, HMU, man. So I was, I was, you know, when I started the game, I loaded it up. I was not expecting like a rich narrative to go on. What, what inspired you guys in the way of uh, this design, the stories and the characters? You're obviously pulling from a, a bunch of, a bunch of great things. What are some of the things you could just sort of, you could share with us? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the beginning of the game was all about creating, you know, games are all about kind of wish fulfillment and having some sort of aspiration. So we just kind of tied in the story of, you know, uh, what can we write about that relates to growing weed and where is it going to take you? And the timing of everything, you know, going on with legalization, you know, it seemed like the perfect fit to start off, um, you know, once it was illegal, you built up your skills, and then you kind of reborn and had this opportunity to build something really amazing. And so we felt like people can relate to that aspiration of you know starting with nothing and then building something into something awesome. Um, that's the kind of the baseline idea behind it. Yeah, nice. I'm I'm, I'm aspiring to do anything but kill the uh, like three seeds I've I've potted, um, <laughs> and, and, and unfortunately that's not happening. So I guess it's back to Empire. You know, when I when I first heard about your your game and I hadn't played it yet, I thought to myself, you know, I wonder what what line these guys are going to walk because on one side, you know, you got things like uh, I think there's a game called Drug Wars. It's very much embracing the criminality side, and I really liked that I you could see that you guys had worked hard to pull it into the light, the topic into light throughout the game, and it you don't necessarily start in the light. But you, you, you get there quickly and, you know, the mayor is hitting you up to treat his anxiety and your I think it's your cousin Jen is hitting you up and, you know, there's, you can see the way that, um, you know, cannabis plays roles in different people's life. And I, I, I think it was really cool how you guys tackled that. Like, was there a lot of internal discussion how you guys were going to manifest you know, the sale of weed in your game? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the founders originally, uh, myself and we had a story uh, right originally, and we all talked together about what, you know, what could we envision the, you know, the term empire would mean. And one of our rules was, you know, we wouldn't uh, sell cannabis in any negative light. So there's no like, uh, uh, illegal, illicit activities from your part because that's the direction that cannabis is going and we wanted to promote that as, as uh, the political tides are changing these days and so um, yeah a lot of thought was put into it and that's why a lot of the ideas relate to how cannabis is helping other people because I think there's a whole other side of cannabis that most people don't know about especially the medicinal side and that's why we start the game pretty early with uh, purely just you know the production side but as soon as you get to the level around 18 to 20 you start moving into to uh, the medicinal side of stuff. And so that's kind of where we left off. 
Yeah, I mean it's 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 um, it's really neat. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, and maybe you just said this, Dan, but you guys uh, have, have even worked it into the beginning of the of the game that you have to get a permit to grow your cannabis, right? <laughs> I just I, love I, I, I I liked it because you know. Dan's so right. You know, the way that cannabis has been portrayed in games, whether it's Grand Theft Auto all the way on down, is always as a super underground illicit activity. Um, and it's it's cool to see. It's almost like representative of, of how cannabis has now come to being seen in Canada and, of course, in, in many of the U.S. states that have legalized. Um, it's, it's almost like a foreshadowing of how this is going to feel when it's all normal, right? What it's going to feel like when apps and and you know tv shows and and other media pick it up as like totally normal not weeds you know but but above board and and uh, helpful right um what about your players though where do, where do they come from are they stoners you know are they gamers are they a little bit of both or are they neither where, where, where do you where do you where do you think your community comes from yeah, I mean, it's, it's a real mixed bag. Uh, as far as, like, finding them, um, we find our players all around the world. Uh, our game's in almost every country uh, on Earth, and a lot of those are, you know, very pro-cannabis, um, have been for a long time, and there's obviously a very large audience for us to reach there, but we find users um, that just like video games uh, is a huge demographic for us. People, they just like to play video games, whether it's because they're stoned or because uh, it's casual and it's the kind of culture that our game resonates to. Um, we also find, you know, users across a wide age range. Um, a lot of our very engaged users are well into their 50s. Um, we've actually met some of them in real life. You know, they send us gifts in the mail and they come out to our events and uh, they seem to be just as engaged as any average like stoner demographic you may think of. Um, you know, we do find our users on social networks. They're very socially engaged. Uh, clearly, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat are big platforms for us. But uh, we, we also find users organically, um, whether it's at dispensaries or at events, uh, just handing out stickers or word of mouth. So it's a, it's a real mixed bag, but we find our, our players are from all, 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 types of, uh, all types of ranges. Something that was really surprising for me was like, uh, once upon a time I had a moderator, um, her name was Nicole, she was from the Philippines where it's super legal, but she, she's had like chronic health problems her whole life and she has been wanting to use marijuana, uh, but it's illegal and so she started playing our game just to learn more about it. And like she ended up becoming a moderator just because she got so into the game and was like, I've learned so much about marijuana through your game and like, I just, I can't wait until I can grow it here. Um, so it's it's been surprising, like, the, the amount of our hardcore community who can't even access cannabis but are still really into the game. Mm -hmm. And one thing I want to make a note That's of, too, awesome. you guys kind of touched on, uh, with being in Canada and obviously the big announcements lately around legalization, um, not only in marketing is it going to open up some opportunities, but I think just the world's overall perception on cannabis is going to really change, which lets us reach more people just naturally. So we feel like a second wave is coming for our game, uh, especially with you know the uh, the full legalization in October, and we think that the rest of the world is going to pay notice and see what we're doing up in Canada. And who knows, maybe uh, next year we'll have a bunch more competitors out there that aren't just weed and cartel wars, you know. <laughs> you know, it should be said, you guys are a relatively small shop in the space, but you're hitting out of your weight class and you have been for a little while. What do you think? What do you think has been the special sauce to, to let you sort of dig out a corner of the community and make it stick? Um, yeah, I mean, I've been in gaming for a couple years now and actually worked at another studio that had a, a much larger team working on a similar weed game. And I, I think that the success really comes down to the people at LBC. Um, it's a bit of a dream team here. I feel like everyone's got a very unique background that really kind of funnels into the game well. 
Uh, we work really well together. We come up with really creative ideas as a team. And I think for how few people we have, what we're doing isn't really uh, unrepresentative of the quality we can, we, can, we can serve up. So I really think it's the people here that make the difference. And that's how we're able to be as successful as we are. I think it's pure luck. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes it pays to be lucky. Listen, uh, I, I can't. I can't agree with that more. So, I, I mean, uh, Jamie, for you, are you are you relatively fresh to the gaming scene? I, I know Joe and Kevin are maybe a little bit old hat. Sorry, me. Yeah, Jamie, are you new to the gaming scene? Uh, so I went to game design school in 2013, and then I've been I've worked at a couple other free-to-play mobile gaming companies since then uh, as a game designer, as a UX designer, um, and then now as a community manager. So I've I've come at it from a few different perspectives. Mm. Well, okay, that's really. So that's, guys, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dan. I was going to say you, you guys have all sort of had some experience, but I'll ask anyway. You know, what are some of the things you've learned going through the development of this game? that you had no idea about before you started? Ooh, that's a, that's a tough question. Uh, that's a quick question. <laughs> I got nothing on the fly right now. Yeah, I mean, one of the big things with this game was uh, the initial concept of it and the development of it wasn't actually done uh, fully in Vancouver. It was a mixed kind of global effort um, just to kind of ideate the, the actual game itself. Sort of like the storyboarding phase of a movie's development. And a lot of that was uh, kind of like, well, let's, you know, um, kind of hope it works and see how things test. And obviously with a game this big, going global, you do a lot of that. So uh, I'd say, you know, one of the unique factors was that it was uh, developed, you know, globally and now it's kind of been moved uh, all in-house to Vancouver. So um, that's definitely a, a factor that we're, we're adapting with. Now, it's funny, you mentioned the global thing, and I had a question in the back of my head. You know, the game leverages a fair amount of, you know, uh, cannabis culture slang in the story. How is that for the translation team trying to go wide <laughs> with that lingo? Does it all translate or, you know, do they, uh, do they have some words that we really need to get down on? That's a very good question. Yeah. I mean, we hire a professional localization company yeah. and they are yeah. completely aware of our situation. So we make it a requirement they they only hire stoners. <laughs> that said, I do sometimes have players be like, why are they talking about unicorns or something? I'm like, yo, guys, please change this. Like, ASAP. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I know, like, I mean, even the word bong is different across all languages. For example, in, in Germany, they call a bong a bang. And so if you're, roll, if you're rolling around Germany, you're looking for a bang. And uh, yeah, it can, it can be a little counterintuitive. You know, you mentioned, yeah, you mentioned that you, um, pardon me, Jamie, you mentioned that you worked at some mobile gaming companies before, and, and I know a couple of you guys have. Um, it, what I found really interesting is two things. First of all, monetization and how you guys balance it. Um, and some of those sticking, those sticky points of a mobile, because listen, mobile games are not easy. There are many options out there. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of reasons to play a mobile game, but there's about 15 times more reasons to not play a mobile game, generally speaking. So what do you, what do you guys think is the key to a successful mobile game and how do you balance monetization against it? Yeah, I can speak a bit to that. I mean, our game is free to play. Uh, we do have, you know, microtransactions built into our game, but what's unique for our game is you'll never see an ad unless you want to. Uh, there's no every three hours you get a pop-up or there's no banners you can pay to get rid of. Uh, all of our 
videos, if you want to watch an, an, a video ad, it's all rewarded. So you go and you watch it and you never have to pay if you want. You can just watch videos and get the same experience as somebody spending you know, money every week. Uh, having said that, you know, there, there are a lot of ways we, we do try and engage with our users through you know, unique bundles. And you know, we have one coming out for July 4th. You know, we're, we had one out for May 4th as well around Solo and stuff. So we, we do different kind of promotional events, but a lot of our monetization is completely rewarded or optional in our game. And I think something that speaks to the balancing is like we have players in the top 50 global leaderboard who haven't really paid anything. Um, and that's just wow. because they're skilled and super right. hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's <laughs> telling. Well, I wanted to speak to that for a second. Um, you know, when Andy jumped in, he got monetized. I went in raw. Dank Dan was was going to get the real on the street experience. And I have to say, uh, a lot of the things that turn me off of free to play games didn't didn't come up. I didn't hit a hard roadblock. You know, at level ten, where if I didn't monetize, I was stuck. Uh, and I I appreciated that. And uh, I, it, there's something to be said about a gentle monetization curve, and it sounds like you guys have have struck that. I love the billboard because to give you an idea, you know the community you're looking at. There's billboards around the community, and when you click on them, you look at an ad. That's that's such a brilliant way to do it. It, it makes it sort of seamless. It's not obnoxious. And bar none, my favorite thing of, with your monetization, the pawn shop when you click on it, the 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 Flava Flav character that jumps up. I forget what he says. I don't know if he's like he's like A or whatever we he says. We talked to the council, Brilliant. Dan. That's not Flava Flav. Bring it back. Is that not Bring Flav it back down. Is it not Flava Flav? Oh no, we can't you can't say Flava Flav. That's not a Sorry, no. Um, no, bring that one down. The gentleman the gentleman that is into hip hop culture and large time pieces around his neck. That guy. That guy. Uh he's he's really hitting it. Um <laughs> Hey, let's call him Tasty Dave. Tasty no, Dave. <laughs> Tasty Old Tasty. Dave. Uh, what, what, but I mean, I, these are all little nuances that clearly show like the love you guys put into it. And that, this must be one of your the big discussion points. How do we do what this company needs to do, which is, you know, you guys are a business, you need to make money, but not offend our players, you know, by, by you know, making it too obnoxious. This, this must have been a big focus for you guys. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, you, I think you nailed it around the spot. I mean, we need to monetize our business. Uh, from my personal perspective, I, I'm in complete agreement. You know, I hate playing a game and then you feel like, you know, you hit that wall and you have to like put in money and, or you can't really continue. So we honestly, there's a little bit of trial and error and tweaking it over time and making it feel like uh, we're not cash grabbing, but at the same time, we're giving people the opportunity to speed up if they really want to save time and put a little money into the game and support us. So uh, that's pretty mm. much what you like. You nailed it right on the spot. And then the other mm. thing we do is like complete transparency with our community. So like because we do experiment a lot, we're open with our community about when we're experimenting. And if we go too easy or too hard, our players tell us. Like our players are so dedicated, they'll be like, "Hey, you made this too easy. We're getting too many like." items, too much currency, please make it harder or it's not going to be fun anymore. And we're like, yeah, we'll halfway do that for you. <laughs> oh, got that. Yeah. Well, guys, we're running out of time a little bit here. And, you know, I mean, I think Dan and I can both echo our sentiments and say that, you know, we're, we're, hemp, we're Empire fans. Um, I'm, I'm reasonably deep into it. Dan's like off the deep end. I don't see that guy anymore. I don't know. He's playing Empire, whatever. But um, what are some of your other favorite games? I know that Copy you from the, the video game industry. So mobile, otherwise, maybe you can uh, share a couple of your favorites. 
myself, I love uh, First Person Shooter Destiny, uh, Clash Royale, and Golf Clash. Those are also... Oh, Destiny guy there. There you go. Joe, real quick, what's your class in Destiny? Who's your main? I play them all equally, to be honest. Oh, okay. Very diplomatic. Very diplomatic. Very diplomatic. All right. That's what a real player looks like, Daniel. Take it easy. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I'm personally a fan of like story-driven adventure games. So like the last one I was really obsessed with was Life is Strange. Mm. Ah, yeah. My sweet sweet lady was all over that. Kevin, what do you got, buddy? Um, I'm a bit of a soccer fan, so I'm playing FIFA on console right now, especially with the World Cup on, and I've been playing a bit of Tekken on mobile. Um, oh, Tekken. Oh. Yeah, nice. made, made by another Vancouver studio, Bandai Namco, so it's definitely worth checking out. No, oh, shout who's out. Your guy in, who's your guy in Tekken? And don't say you play them all equally. I'm not <laughs> 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 No, I'm using that Ryu lookalike. I don't even know his name. <laughs> Oh, right. I know who you're talking about. What is his name? Yeah, it's, uh, it's no, I'm That's not going to get it either. I got to tell you, sports games are not my cup of tea. Hockey, get out of here. Basketball, not unless it's NBA Street. Uh, rugby, never. Football, blah. But like soccer, FIFA, FIFA, I can get down with. FIFA's, FIFA's got some magic. I don't know. I think soccer just generally translates better into the video game world. Yeah. Andy, really taking a risk getting behind the biggest global sport in the world. I really appreciate you going there. Listen, when I when I go out on a limb on my heart on my sleeve, that's what you hear. All right, Empire. Well, uh, we've taken enough of your good time. I appreciate you guys swinging by, and hopefully you'll uh, you'll you'll you know pop in another time to the squid. Maybe stick around for the smoke session next time. We'll we'll see what happens. <laughs> but but guys, thanks for coming by. You got uh, anything you want to plug or or um, you know anything for for our, our listeners? Um, just follow Empire Game on Twitter and social media and check out EmpireGame.com. Yeah, and thanks so much for having yeah. us. You guys Absolutely. are awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah, guys, it's been rad. Thanks for, uh, thanks for sticking around. Appreciate it. Dan, 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 Dan. Oh, that was a pretty solid, uh, pretty solid little conversation with the Empire folks over there. Yeah, man, they they got at us uh, from the other side of the country, out in British Columbia. Yeah, not too bad. I mean, it's kind of nice having some folks in here on the Purple Dungeon Squid. Helps temper the temper the mood of the nonstop Andy and Dan banter. The Andy Avalanche. Yeah, man, and I'm always into like a, a small indie developer, you know, getting getting some extra love. They they really do put their hearts into it. So, and I think yeah. it shows. It shows in the game. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. It's also, um, you know, it's nice to have some folks in. So, listen, dudes, if you're sitting out there, you're an indie developer, you're a retro game specialist, you're one of them fancy Instagram models. You go ahead and hit us up. Come on, have a conversation about video games. I think I'd be okay with that. A little weed, get that in there. It's the right on. thing to do. Yeah, yeah, I feel it. Feel I feel it for sure, my friend. Feel it for sure. Who, dude? I'm feeling a little discombobulated. This heat is killing me. I feel I feel like I'm staring into the eyes of the wacky, flashing, spinning, waving, screaming whirly gig. Oh man, let me tell you, that thing will claim your heart, your soul. I came across this device, 
uh, on my way out of the fire. Sorry, this is not a real. This is not a real device. This is a real thing, and you know I don't <laughs> often. The, the way it works on the sponsors is Andy throws together stuff, and I then make a tagline for it, and I go in pretty blind. But I actually slid this one in there, unbeknownst to Andy. And so my sweet lady and I were escaping the fireworks. Is that why it's in italics? That's right. Uh, on the show notes, we're escaping the fireworks and we go headlong into what we always do, which is a giant traffic jam because, you know, a thousand people are trying to leave at once. And a guy in this Grand Viterra beside us is trying to merge and he, we're at a standstill. And I see in the back the most amazing and horrific uh, toy I've ever seen. Picture a carousel handheld. And where horses typically would be is just flashing, spinning, screaming lights, turning in a circle at a high rate of speed. And I look at this thing and it's in the back of the car and I see the pain and stress on the father's face. And he's thinking, if he purchased these for his children, of which there are two, both screaming, waving, spinning, wacky, inflatable tube monster toys, um, and two children, He's thinking, why did I do this? Monsters, why did I create you? Oh, boy. <laughs> and, it's, and it's like, I'm like, what's the best way to cause a car accident for your father? Just wave around this toy uh, at your sister and your mother until he swerves inadvertently into oncoming traffic. Oh, and I man. just see, I see this toy reflected into the child's face as the lights spin in front of him. I'm like... This kid's gonna have a seizure any moment now. Like this is it's like the toy version of one hundred percent sugar pixie sticks. Right. Like it's equivalent of jamming that in your mouth, like straight into your R- eyes. Raising the next generation of ravers. Listen, as a father, I can tell you with one hundred percent certainty, an aunt or an uncle bought that shit. That was not a dad move. Because dads know better. Dads know better yeah. than that. We weigh very carefully. The pros and cons of every device we bring into our home. There's no flashing, exploding toys. That's just that's just not going to fly. So uh, yeah, that's right. Aunts and uncles out there, get your shit together. You're yeah. That is a toy purchased by an outsider because, like you said, there's like a scale that you weigh it against. You say, is it noisy? Does it need batteries? Is it going to flash lights constantly? Uh, very important. If I step on it. Will it act, act like a cattle trop and shred my foot into nothing? <laughs> the answer to most uh, most things is yes. Oh, dude. Speaking of shredding into nothing, and here's a segue for you. Shredding into nothing. How about the internet and Mass Effect Andromeda? Wow. <laughs> they spared no hate. They spared no hate. So a little bit of background. Uh, over the past week, I've been playing a little bit of Mass Effect Andromeda, and some of you may know Mass Effect is one of my favorite games. I think it was my number four or my number three on my list. The original Mass Effect was a game that, um, A, created such a sci-fi vibe, such a such a, a universe, a galaxy that I wanted to exist in, um, that I played through that game in a record short amount of time. And Dan, you know me. Do I play through any games in a short amount of time? You take your time. You dabble. I dabble. I dip in. I dip out. I jump in. I jump out. Mass Effect had captured me, captured me in such a way um, that you know I, I powered through it in a way I don't normally. So it's strange to me that I haven't picked up Mass Effect two or three over the years. I think there was some 
not owning the right console, whatever the situation was. But Mass Effect Andromeda, I walked into my local EB Games, Canadian equivalent of GameStop, uh, and saw that it was on sale for a paltry $10. $10 a year after a AAA title, by all accounts, one of the, I'm sure, very well-funded title by BioWare, sitting there on the shelf like a dejected puppy. And I gotta Andy, tell you, you know what the price drop is after ten dollars? Yeah, that's uh, that's free with your PlayStation Plus subscription, is what it, that is. It's, it's take it and go. Just, just it take it and go. It goes beside Madden two thousand and six. Like, do you want it? Just take it. <laughs> just get it out of here, it's or yours. else you know you find you find it in a urinal somewhere as a target. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's funny because like, listen, you you take a look at some of the early PS4 games. Heck, you even take a look at The Last of Us. That's a PS3 game. Yes, admittedly a classic, but it's still going for like twenty nine bucks on PS4. Mass Effect Andromeda has unequivocally been demoted to the bottom of the totem pole and after playing it for about a week i'm not going to give it my final summation but i gotta say this game did not deserve to be ripped apart to the degree of of just devastation that this title got now you didn't correct me if i'm wrong you haven't played any of the mass effect games right you know i i I saw some of the glitches i saw some of the stuff i saw some of the character models it looked like for at least the the girls, it looked like somebody tur- set the makeup gun to Harlot. Like they just had like nine tons of rouge on their cheeks. I'm like, why are all these people so rosy? Why did everyone just have like six drinks before they shot the show? <laughs> yeah, especially because they've been on an well, I mean, specifically because they've been on an isolated spaceship for umpteen many years. But you know, Mass Effect Andromeda sets bills itself as a reboot, a refresh for the the Mass Effect series. And you're not playing Commander Shepard, which right off the hop, you're already playing against the odds, right? You've got an established protagonist, and going in a different direction is always always a risk at the very least. And Listen, some of the challenges that that game had, some of the glitches that had been reported, some of the janky facial animations, and let's call it lack of character that the protagonist displays, all of that is there. I will totally concede it. In fact, the way that these characters amble about the screen, it's not bad. It's just a little uncanny. Do you know what I mean? It's just a little strange. But I got to say... It's a little bit overblown. Everybody's seen the gif online of, you know, whatever, a dude talking and suddenly his face dismorphs into a million and one different pixels and his disembodied eyeball is just hovering there. We've all seen it, but that's not how 99% of the gameplay is. So you can't can't hold that up as an example of how terrible Mass Effect Andromeda is. And, you know, what I've discovered over, over, um, over, I'm nearing about six hours of gameplay now, uh, and it's a game I intend to continue playing, is... A really strong combat system. In fact, I can recall the original Mass Effect being just not that great from a combat perspective. Um, this combat felt very fluid. There's a little bit of weirdness with the cam or with the camera, but uh, overall, like, felt very intuitive. It was challenging. I was playing on normal difficulty, and there were several moments where you know I had to replay a situation several times to get through it without getting shredded, and it didn't feel unfair. Just felt like I needed to reorient myself a little bit better. There's some great, um, I won't say great dialogue, because the story in and of itself is is good. It's, you know, video game passable. It's not, it's not Shakespeare. But I will say that the vibe they've created is very much enjoyable sci-fi Mass Effect. The planets that I've been exposed to so far are 
interesting, varied, really well designed. Um, you know, the scenes that they set up, for example, the beginning of the game, you're flying across the top of this promised land planet uh, with all this lightning falling across the landscape and your, um, you know, your, your pod rips in half. And that moment is really visceral, right? The action, the, cam- the way the camera pans around, how everything feels when you land and crawl out of the debris of your spacecraft. It, it just, it has, uh, it has an in media res, um, method of drawing you into the atmosphere. And I, I'll be honest with you. I haven't, haven't dropped out of that yet, which is, which is high praise for, you know, a title that's, that's billed as being so utterly useless. So I don't know. Have you, have you experienced a game before that's gotten undue negative press? Is it something that you've experienced firsthand? Cause right now I'm just, I'm playing through this and it just the amount of anger I've felt through the internet about this game is not it's not adding up i you know i i'm struggling to think of one off the top of my head i think xcom one out of the new series of xcom got a little bit of hate and i think the things that really shake people up is when there's a, a glitches or bugs or crashing issues that make the game hard to play really take you out um, especially if they've been treated to, you know, a seamless experience in the past and they're holding it to that bar. Uh, I think that, you know, in this case, it's like half of the development is in the last 5% of the game. Like 95% of the work is, you know, putting everything in place. And then that live last 5% of polish gets you your last 50 points on the review scale because it's things like people's faces not looking crazy and you know the game not crashing out of nowhere i think this was an, a, a case of uh development teams being pulled off a game before it's like quite all the way baked through and it, what it sounds like is maybe there's been some patching to sort of rectify the disaster so you got your early adopters at release that are like ready to, to have that commander shepherd level experience and what they got was a little bit janky and they just never turned back. They they were that hurt by the initial impression. Does, well, you that, know what? does that fit? It fits the bill. And to be fair, there's been a year worth of patches. I haven't followed those patches being deployed very closely. So I'm not sure how much of the game the in-game issues. Pardon me for a second. Whoops, there you go. There's some noise. I'm not sure how much of the in-game, um, the issues that they were experiencing upon launch have been, have been rectified. But, you know, it's interesting because just to, to kind of take it into a more general sense, you know, I base a lot of my thought process around what games to purchase and what games to play on reviews and actually less and less on specific reviews and more and more on the collective consciousness of Reddit and the internet, right? And it's, it's just, it's interesting. I'm not saying that Mass Effect Andromeda, Andromeda didn't um, deserve its lumps. I didn't see it at launch. I don't know what that experience looked like. And I can see how if you went into this with very high hopes, there's, there's a potential that you could be let down. But it's fascinating that, you know, the echo chamber of the internet can rise to such, such a volume that a game gets utterly shuttered, utterly, like just, just eviscerated to the point where everybody now can collectively say, oh yeah, Mass Effect Andromeda, not a good game, right? Even if you haven't played it, that's, that's what's on the tip of your tongue. And jumping into this, I mean, the depth that I've seen in terms of the crafting systems, um, 
uh, outfitting like your your party members with weapons and, and just just the way that that whole that whole customization works it's like it's way deeper than the original mass effect that's for damn sure and it's definitely on par or, or deeper than many of the the modern rpgs i've played the gameplay is really tight and the storyline isn't that bad so it's it's just it's fascinating to see something get buried under the internet so thoroughly and to know that there's actually a pretty what appears to be at least on first blush a pretty decent game under there you know it, it seems like one of those things where you ever noticed on the internet nobody nothing is just like flawed like it doesn't just have flaws it's always like it's a train wreck and a house fire and then a, a kid got crushed by a bus it's like well maybe there's just a couple of problems and it sounds like like uh, for the first patch, they fixed the glaring errors like guns being held backwards and things of that nature. And they, right. they released eight more patches, and it's like they took out some of the more creepy facial expressions that kind of made your character look like <laughs> a psychopath. Still, um, spoilers, there's still some creepy ones. There's just <laughs> something a little uncanny about the faces. I'll, 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 and, I'll give the internet that. And they, they, you know, they change the angles of some of these sequences, and it sounds like because the manpower of this Bioware Montreal team was reduced so much, some of the stuff that was really creepy, they just cut the sequence altogether because they didn't have the manpower to fix it. But it sounds like they they kind of band-aided over most of the glaring stuff, so maybe you got a playable game now. Yeah, I got to say, I'm really enjoying it so far at 10 bucks or whatever I imagine. Maybe it's even cheaper in America. Maybe they're giving it away free. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, I mean, in Canada, we pay roughly 10 million times more for everything. So it's very possible that you could walk on down to your local GameStop and be gifted this. Um, Just, but you know, if, if that's the case, I definitely worth a $10 price point. Holy smokes. I've already oh, gotten yeah. my money out of it. I'm already... And listen, the vibe of Mass Effect is it cannot be understated. Everything feels... Next gen plastic, a little bit, you it's, know. It's really clean. Yeah, really, it just. It's I don't like know, a it's, brand new Millennium Falcon. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. There's, there's a, there's a distinctive aesthetic about Mass Effect that really jives with me, and I'm excited to, uh, I'm excited to pursue it a little further. Um, is this you a 420 friendly game? game? You know, your game hit the rocks, by the way, Andy, when the DLC gets canceled. Yeah, that's ooh, ooh. Yeah. Um, I mean, and that's a shame, really, because from what I understand, I haven't tried to avoid spoilers because uh, I do plan on seeing the end credits roll. Um, but, you know, my understanding is there's a couple loose ends that have still not been tied up, which is which is a shame. But uh, by many accounts, the ending of this Mass Effect is significantly better than the one of uh, Mass Effect 3, which I understand was somewhat disappointing. Um, but shit, if I can't believe the Internet about Mass Effect Andromeda, what can I believe? My whole world's been shaken, Dan. You gotta, you gotta go into that well and get the water for yourself to find if it's as sweet as they say. Yeah, well, at the very least, like, listen, man, when you were a kid, you rolled into Blockbuster, and what was on the shelf and had a cool box, that's what you were renting, you know? And it's, it's funny because I very rarely will even pick up a game without having read whatever, at least three reviews and probably a whole comment section worth of Reddit. Just interesting that that's the way that we dive into games now. Even games like old games, even old PlayStation games. Shit, man, I bought, um, I bought, uh, what, what the heck was it? I bought a PlayStation 1 game. It's not coming to my mind right now, but I, I read a GameSpot article from 1998 on it to, 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 to kind of 
ease myself into it and understand the reception of it. It was so important to me to know what people thought about this game before I picked it up. And it's a good thing that we have access to that information so quickly. Makes it a lot harder to sell a crappy game. But boy, does it also present its own set of dangers because especially in the case of Mass Effect Andromeda, I'm finding myself enjoying an experience that I had a very low chance of experiencing um, until it hit that $10 mark, which is a pretty unfair price to pay for a game, all development costs considered. Right. And I mean, is there room for a game to course correct? And like, because now a, a game, once it's released, very often isn't done you know, is there a space for, you know, reviewers to say this one needs to be put back in the oven? Good game. Put it back in the oven. You know, it's a similar situation with uh, the Star Wars Battlefront, you know, great game needed to be retooled. And I, I think if it could get a rating where it was like uh, send it back for some retooling, you know, maybe maybe they wouldn't suffer the kind of uh, sales setbacks that they that each did. Yeah. And I mean. You know, you'll see that in, I'll give you an example. The Elder Scrolls Online has benefited a lot from additional content. Now, that's an MMO, so it's a somewhat unfair comparison. Um, but, mm-hmm. but you know, I mean, it, it, it holds true that if there's an expectation of future content, I think reviewers will sometime throw that into the mix uh, and say, hey, listen, you know, if this is, if this is updated or what have you, uh, it could be the more, actually, I think more content is probably the, um, the biggest bucket in that, in that, you know, reviewer generosity. I feel like bugs and and some of the issues that Mass Effect dealt with, like storyline pacing issues, and and I understand that there's some unnecessary grind, et cetera, et cetera. Those things I imagine don't feel as readily able to be patched out, and therefore get a little bit more uh, a little bit more scrutiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said it. Yeah. Is the game 420 friendly? I'd say. I got to be honest with you, um, you know, I, I, I smoked a bowl and, and tried to dive into Mass Effect Andromeda. It wasn't my favorite experience. There was a lot going on. It was the first like hour of the game. So not always the best time to jump in when you're learning systems and combat and stuff like that. I will say, though, it feels it feels like a game that at least right now is still kind of challenging. Um, you know, the combat requires some pretty pretty intense awareness of what's going on. And I feel like until I'm really tight on those systems, it's not a game I would really enjoy smoking for. Uh, is it beginner friendly? Again, I'd say that just based on the fact that um, it feels a little bit more technical in gameplay and I know that there's some challenges with the game. For example, if you're not reading up online, you may not know to skip some of the side missions that bring kind of needless grind and endless bloat to the uh, what, for all intents and purposes, appears to be a pretty satisfying main campaign. Um, so I'd say probably not a beginner-friendly game either. There's plenty of folks picking this up for $10 GameStop. Might have a hard time getting through. Yeah, word, word. Good advice. Yeah, what about yourself, buddy? What did you get into this week? Andy, I was supposed to play a new game for the podcast that we record. You remember asking me, Dan, can you play a new game? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess. But if you played a game, that's just about as good as a new game. That's true. Andy, uh, I'm trying to set up a, a goof here. Let me try that again. And you know how I was supposed to play a new game for the podcast that we record? I really like snow cones wish i was dead um so i didn't do that uh i went ahead and played more god of war i wanted to play a different game 
but I just couldn't pull myself away from this this title. And I want to talk with your permission a little bit more about some of the Dude, extra I, content. I love that. that. I love that. I love that you played more God of War because A, I'm probably not playing it because you played it. And B, this game sounds really exciting. And I love the last time you talked about it. So please talk about it. So in the margins of the God of War story, there's all this extra content that I found myself um, wading into. And it was a delight. So the, the first thing I found Kratos um, sort of uh, heading towards was the realm of Niflheim. Are you familiar with Niflheim? <laughs> no, I'm not familiar with Niflheim. Well, let me let me <laughs> let me bring you up to speed. So <laughs> sounds like uh, a con- Nif- anti-congestant medication. It, it'll clear up your nasal passages. It's funny you should mention because Niflheim is the realm of fog, and when you arrive there for the first time, one of your dwarven buddies, Sindri, explains the situation to you that the whole area is overrun by a cursed mist, and he oh. gives you some labors to go into an ancient dwarven workshop. Um, of a, a dwarf named Evaldi, uh, who uh, is long dead, um, and retrieves some artifacts, some some old armor, and uh, something called mist echoes. And sort of the the gameplay element here is it's a randomized, I'm going to say quote unquote maze, but to call it that it isn't quite fair. It's more like a giant square with some tunnels off them uh, that's covered in traps and puzzles that are, are, are fairly randomly generated and just a buttload of monsters. Nice. So the way it works is you can only be in the mist for so long. The mist is sort of like you picture uh, Kratos holding his breath, although it's just sort of seeping into him. And when your bar reaches the end, uh, you start losing health and you die. So you got to manage your time. Uh, and as you're making your way through this area and killing guys and opening chests, you're getting uh, loot that you can craft into items as well as a very important uh, currency called Mist Echoes. Um, that's right. So basically... And sorry, sorry I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but... W- no, please. Random, this is, so this is kind of cool because I think of God of War as a really um, strongly story-driven game right and so this is like a this is like a, almost like a time like a randomized time challenge on the side that you can jump into to test your metal yeah i mean exactly and it, and it happens in the margins you don't have to go here at all but if you want to get the best armor in the game you're gonna have to find your way um through here and, and unlock the challenges it also houses one of the valkyrie and the valkyrie is uh, uh there's eight valkyrie in the game that you you have to best to unlock some of the best weapon as well weapons as well oh, and nice. these valkyries go ahead no no i just I, I think it's it's cool because um you know let me let me let me explain myself the fact that you're interested enough to jump into this side content rather than you know plowing through the through the main story and and calling it a day is telling uh, cuz a mm-hmm. it means that these you know, these combat systems are engaging enough for you to want to do it in a randomized fashion. And B, um, it means how many hours have you sunk into God of War at this point? It's probably over 70. I'm guessing. Wow, man. Like 70, like that's like my monthly budget for gaming. That's, that's incredible. Good on you, man. Good on you. I, I gotta tell you, I'm at this point now where on the trophy list, the only thing that's missing 
is the trophy for beating the game and the trophy for getting all the other trophies. So I don't often platinum a game. I normally get about 80% of the trophies. This one's going to get a platinum. And I got to say, it's Going worth for it. the P. Remind, remind me to, to touch on this because I'll go back to the trophy thing. But so you're running through this, this you know, uh, deadly area. Basically, you run into a section monsters appear you fight those monsters as quickly as possible and so you're sort of choosing strategies that both don't deplete your health but you're you're really trying to get through this thing quickly and after a couple runs you you won't make it through the whole maze you kind of have to backtrack you can then craft gear that that has perks on it that help you stay in the mist longer Mm. so the more pieces of this gear you get and the more you upgrade the the longer you can stay in there and, and you know uh, once you have enough uh, mist protection, you can try your luck at defeating the Valkyrie. Now, out of the eight Valkyries, I found this one the easiest, and I guess the challenge is the fact that you got a clock on this fight and you got to you got to really push it. Um, you know, but I found this area a really good battleground for me to really get fully comfortable in the combo system. Nice, because God of War does a thing. That is so brilliant. So if you've ever played a game like this, it's you're constantly mashing buttons. You're either attacking, dodging, or blocking. Right. But to unlock the second tier of combos, you have to stop attacking for like a beat and a half. And anything can happen in a beat and a half. Oh, I mean, it's... Again, not having played the combat, I get where you're coming from. And... I think that's one of the strongest things that's coming through on God of War for me is is the um, again simplicity, but also detail. Of, I, I, sorry, that that sounds super ridiculous. <laughs> the uh, the way you describe it, and the way that you we've talked a lot about God of War offline, and and again, I'm playing it kind of vicariously through you. It's that you don't have to be incredible at the combat system to watch it play out in a way that's both satisfying and allows you to progress, but learning the nuances of it and getting it under your thumb makes it exponentially more satisfying the further, the further you get into it. And that's what, that's what fascinates me about it because you know, there's, there's plenty of video games that present to you uh, a combat system and you're pretty much doing the same thing throughout the entire game. God of War, though, when you say the combat system grows and you get a, a greater understanding for its depth, um, that kind of that jives with me, man. Because when it comes to an action RPG, really, that's the showstopper. That's what we're. That's the stake, so to speak. You said it, and I I can't put enough emphasis on how much actual balls it took for me to get the confidence up to stop attacking for a beat and a half to open up this whole other. Uh, series of combos i had to like grit my teeth hold my breath and be like okay i'm gonna not attack one and a half seconds and then you see kratos change his stance and his weapon glows and you know i i'm i'm using the blades of chaos which are his fire blades that he swings around and the second tier of attacks are so badass Uh, mostly you're swinging these blades around on chains and you know whipping them around they get a good amount of distance and you know they're dealing with multiple guys and you can finish with big slams that's great but when you take that beat to have him change positions and then you hit that heart attack he goes into a series of brutal stabs that change the weapon from an area of effect controlling weapon to just a takedown of a single guy you're just laying down you know 
30 stabs in succession on a single target and shifting the way this weapon works. And I'm like, you guys just, you know, create a whole new realm for me to play in. So both of your weapons, your giant ice axe and your fire, uh, your, your, your fire daggers have this other, this whole other mode that I've just now got comfortable with and just shows you the depth of the game. Right. No, that's that's awesome, man. So God of War overall, you know, you've sunk 70 hours into it. Obviously, you love it. Um, the combat's a high point. How about the story, though? You're not you're not you haven't beaten it yet. So where, where are you at with it? I, I can see a view to the end. I'm I'm I think about 90 percent of the way through. Um, it doesn't disappoint on any of the beats. And I haven't talked a lot about it because I don't want to spoil it for people. The, the story is brilliant. They integrate Norse mythology through the whole thing. Uh, you get a guide of sorts at one point that really starts to become like your walking Wikipedia um, for the stories. And he he's constantly regaling you with these Nordic tales, which as far as I know are all 100% authentic. And it's told to you in a way that you feel like he, you're honestly players in this story. And it, it rains upon you with that legitimate sound about Nordic you know, Nordic stories. Odin is a son of a bitch. He's not very nice to his his wife Freya, so much so that he changes her name so he can refer to her without referring to her name in Nordic myth. Turn, went from Freya, the goddess of magic, to Frigga. So he never had to any of the great things he she did after he divorced her. They, those were all done by Frigga, not Freya. So he actually like cut her out of the <laughs> That's things Ramu, she achieved man. by reading. That is that is funky cold Medina. Uh, you know, you have the world serpent uh, battling uh, with with Thor. You have uh, Tyr and and his alliance with the giants. You have how how dirty the giants have been done by Odin, the All Father, and it all works in. You really get the sensation before you. I haven't even seen Odin in the game. I know he's eventually going to make his appearance. You get that he's a son of a bitch. He's right. a conniving, never losing son of a bitch. One of these giants steals Thor's hammer. Not in the game, but in Nordic myth. And your guide is telling you about this. And this giant decides that he will trade Thor's hammer back to Thorn Odin for Freya, Odin's wife hand in marriage because she's beautiful and he's not thinking with his head shall we say <laughs> so uh freya makes her way with odin to yodelheim where all the giants are and no sooner does the hammer get given to sorry, thor sorry, did you say yodelheim that's what the giant's land is called isn't bro. it yotunheim not a chance. Yodelheim. Who's, who, who's put 70 hours in God of War? Yodel you or me? Yeah, go All ahead. right, I need you to simmer down, lock it up, and shut it away. Ricola. Uh, <clears throat> mm, this is the opposite of what I've requested. Anyway, um, no sooner has the, the hammer of Thor changed hands, but to then Thor's crushing this giant's head in, and Odin is like, there's no way for Odin to get to Yodelheim other than this. So he's using it as a way to get to Jotunheim and conquer the giants. Well, Freya sees this and banishes them with some powerful magic, um, but she she's has to pay a heavy toll, uh, and this starts the the sort of fracture between the two, um, thus proving in Nordic myth no good deed goes unpunished. Meaning, if you're going to oppose power for good, you're always going to suffer. And also, Odin is a son of a bitch. 
Right. He's going to go. he's, he's going to he'll see your deal, but then he'll immediately betray you. <laughs> That's awesome, also, man. I, I actually really I actually really like that. Um, you know, I mean, I spent <laughs> maybe a little bit too much time on a recent flight watching Vikings. So I'm feeling the yeah. Norse vibe going on. And it's it's we talked a little bit before about the departure of God of War from the you know ancient Greek mythology and moving into um, the Norse mythology vein. It's funny because like God of War is going from Greek mythology to uh, Norse mythology, and Assassin's Creed is going from like European mythology to <laughs> to Greek mythology. And I'm excited about the transition of both. Right? It's fascinating. Yeah. But but this this is this is cool because this departure not only feels um, not only feels fresh, but also feels so much more thematically interesting to me than Greek mythology. It just feels less obvious. It feels like like um, like myth that isn't explored as often in video games, which is strange because it's definitely among the coolest, um, uh, the coolest cultural myths to base a game on. And so, yeah, I mean, I, for me, the fact that they've gone not only brought it into the game, but also done it in an authentic way is really, it's really exciting. You know, it's it's hard to do because where the Greek mythology is almost about the the. You get some parallels, but it's about like the flawed nature of the gods. The Nordic gods are so much more brutal. And right. the actual verbiage is a lot more impenetrable for a Western audience. There's Niflheim and Yodelheim and Musfelem and, you know, all these words, you know, and the things that happen are a lot rougher. I mean, you know, it's in Nordic tradition to get on your longship and go savage a nunnery. I don't you know, know dude, the Greeks kinda... got down with some crazy shit. Let's just let's just oh, let's no just say question. they both did it in a different way. Yeah, no no question. Um can I tell you about a second place that occurs in the total optional area of God of War? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So the, I, and by the way, I'm digging the fact that there's the, all this side game going on. Cause, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 like the um, the skill testing add-on that isn't just open world content. I dig it. Yeah, and you, you got to go to these two places to upgrade your gear and your weapons to the top level. So it does beckon you to go there, <clears throat> but not required. So Moose uh, Moosefelheim is a wondrous place filled with lava and fire and lava oh, and an shit. endless combat arena that spirals up six levels of an active flowing volcano this place could not be more metal at all <laughs> i love it <laughs> the the lava looks beautiful the landscape is is you know geysers of steam vents and and just like an endless uh sea of 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 rock and 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 fire and as you circle way, your way up there up this 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 mountain there are continually increasingly difficult challenges. Uh, you know, you got to kill enemies inside this circle. Uh, you have to uh, destroy these guys in a certain time limit. You have to slay enemies that infinitely heal their health. So you have to be very creative in how you kill them. You have to, the hardest, and by far the hardest, is you have to complete a challenge uh, where you defeat a hundred or so enemies without getting hit, not once, but not by an area of effect, not by a missile, nothing. So, you know, it demands of you the highest mastery of the God of War, you know, combat system. And I found it daunting. Right. Um, but also, I, I don't know if you love this. If a game has an arena type 
area, whether it be Oblivion or anything. I want to do that. That's the first thing I want to do. I want to jump in that arena and I want to destroy it. That's and, fascinating. And this had the I'm same exactly the opposite. It's it's like <laughs> it's it, and I, I just you know I, I can see why you would say that. Um, this actually this this little side side quest spotter rather the the side arena actually sounds quite interesting to me. But I know that for me personally, like that. Hey, this is the moment where we're gonna um, test all those combat maneuvers in a very structured way. Uh, feels less interesting to me than something happening randomly out in the middle of an open world and 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 you know getting it on there. Yeah, I, I get you. I, I know what you're saying there. You know, it, by the time you, you don't head to Muselheim, Muselheim, I forget how if I'm saying it right until you're level six or seven because the toughest fights are here and there are a lot of them but if you want the resources like the smoldering embers or the crest of flames you need to upgrade your highest armor uh bring your uh swords of your blades of chaos to the highest level uh you're gonna have to conquer this mountain of fire it's a mountain that's on fire and full of things that want to kill you and (laughs) i would say bar none some of the the prettiest visuals in the game. They nailed flowing lava. I got to be honest with you. Um, lo- like Mount Doom shit never, never gets off my uh, my graphical sensibility. So I'm excited to see this and, and be disproven. Let me ask you, the open world combat stuff, is that as, um, as prevalent as, as this kind of focused... Uh, either um, structured arena stuff or, or the you know the big keystone fights of the game is there is there a lot of open world stuff or is it more more focused? It's so challenging to call it open world because it is and it isn't. You'd have to really play the game to get it. There's definitely like it's not like uh, Horizon Zero Dawn where you can just run right. around the whole world. It, there you're focused along a set of paths, and it's because there are pet puzzle elements and exploration elements. It's not open world. You know when a fight's coming generally because you go into an area, uh, you know that that's got some space. You know you you know when the fight's coming, and the game does a great job at making most of the fights all the way up until the end pretty challenging and a, a challenge to try different uh, strategies. You, Kratos has bolt-on super moves, light and heavy super moves that he can tag in and out of. And so does uh, Atreus, your, your, your son. Um, he can summon different animals based on you know what he's got slotted. And uh, Kratos has something called rune attacks, light and heavy for both his weapons that you can switch you know you have options of seven or eight light and heavy for each of the each of the each of the weapons so you get a lot of variation um in the way you can play kratos uh and you know that that really keeps the game fresh uh and lets you vary up your play style and the enemies in different combinations give different challenges you know in in terms of uh you know different enemies uh, you know, if you you put together um, some of the magic casters um, right. with a bunch of small swarming enemies, that can be a really different challenge, which is different than if you get some trolls in play, which is different than, uh, you know, if, if you have uh, uh, nightmares. Nightmares are such an interesting creature. It's a floating creature that if it enters one of the other mobs, 
can power it up to its its higher power version. And I have to tell you, whenever these nightmares show up, my first order of business is downing them. So I haven't seen a lot of the powered up versions of the other creatures, and I'm not in a hurry to do so. <laughs> I got you. That's awesome, man. I mean, God of War. I, I feel like we could we I could you know we could talk at length about it because you know. And we I, have. Well, yeah, for <laughs> sure. There's no doubt there. It's it's a game again. I haven't haven't jumped into it every day. I'm getting more and more tempted. If it weren't for the fact that we somehow need to talk about something fresh every week, I'd probably be all over it. Um, it's it just sounds like just by virtue of how excited you are to talk about it and the cool shit you mention when you do. It feels like game of the year material. It feels like this is this is the kind of game that if you're this passionate about it, there's there's un, well undoubtedly many folk who are also. Andy, this is hands down the game of the year and by far the coolest game uh, that's been created for this platform or any other. It just drips with cool. And I have never had more pleasure just thrashing the ever-living shit out of a menagerie of bad guys. I left the 10,000 kill mark in the rear view window 30 hours ago, and I, and I haven't turned back. There's this <laughs> unique pleasure about tearing a, uh, 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 an adversary in two between his shoulder and his neck or wrestling a spear out of a dark elf's hand and, and pinning him to the wall with it. It's just... It's where I parked my car. You know what I mean? Mm, I feel you, buddy. I feel you. So I, I guess I don't have to ask you if it has your your recommendation. Are you gonna you gonna plat that thing this week? Is that is that going down in history? I might finish it off tonight, bro. Well, that sounds just lovely, just lovely. Well, I got all this. Whew, I got all this pent up Kratos rage boiling in me. I feel like it's time for a little smoke sesh. What do you think? Boy, let us smoke. <laughs> well, well put. Well put. sweaty wow I'm, I'm so hot man it's so hey, hot fun in this fact house. about sweat did you know your sweat is a certain percentage urine true fact that can't, that can't be a true fact Dan. oh buddy your sweat contains uric acid and depending on how dehydrated you are i think you can get as high as five or seven percent urine that's, right in your that's sweat. A, not a true fact that's uh, not a true fact but if it is Give a true it fact a you're uh, you're scaring the piss out of me literally coming out of my pores hey yo Woo, swoosh that's puns I think, for handy i think it's time for a little puns smoke for jesus down. pun for it all day pun 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 um let me ask you dan did you smoke any joints over uh are you smoking smoke any herb over the uh the canada day long weekend there was a pre-firework session for mm, sure nice 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 yeah i, I had the the unique uh, the unique privilege of trying a triple percolated bong this weekend, and it was a it was a beautiful experience. You know, the more I get into bongs, the more I start to understand just the, really the difference between having, um, you know, a downstem diffuser and having a bong that's going to, let's call it filter or at the very least aerate your smoke through multiple tiers of uh, of filtration. It's a beautiful thing to take a big old bong rip and for it to whisper past your teeth like the gentlest mewling of a kitten. 
I uh, for for those technical inclined, I had a um, a nice rip off a off a bong with a honeycomb and two turbine perks, three layers of of appropriation, and by the time it had uh, whispered through the bent neck into my into my awaiting mouth chamber, there was nothing but pleasure to be had. Wow, Andy, wow! Is there a lot to be said between? Uh, two chamber and a three chamber like like what are you getting in that 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 third and final chamber man bongs are so elusive because listen you know i've been in and around them for quite some time and and to be to be fair a lot of my time has spent been spent with classic like you know beaker bongs or flask bongs and and you know those those for a long time i would have argued give you the cleanest most most sensible hit right you know you can kind of throttle exactly the amount of smoke that you want um the downstem diffuser does just a fine job of making sure that you got plenty of bubbles to keep your keep your smoke aerated but i don't know i don't know now that i've now that i've really taken some time with a more complex scientific apparatus and in fact i also dropped a an ash catcher on the end which had an additional percolator uh for the entry the entry chamber Damn, dude! Like, I think I feel like I want to just just make a a big long chain of bongs and and string them up around my house, so you know I can I can light the bowl in the living room and experience it in the bathroom. Sort of a Rube Goldberg's bong machine. So you drop a marble in your upstairs bathroom, which knocks over uh, some dominoes, uh, <laughs> moving a string into the the path of a candle. Hey, Andy, here's a here's an important question: How many chambers is too many chambers? Um. I, I, the so my i've gone i've gone through and done the legwork two is about the max for me like especially if there's two or three percolators in between the two ash catchers um you know what you're dealing with is at some point being unable to take a strong a forceful enough pull uh to get it all the way up through the mouthpiece with any degree of force right so what you're saying is this is gonna increase my respiratory fortitude yeah i think we could call it a health product (laughs) <laughs> it's a it's a lung trainer. I like the idea of like you being in a separate room. We've got walkie talkies. <laughs> Light the bong. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Pretty Before good. Before long, you're sucking that golf ball down that garden hose. Moving along, Dan. What did you uh, What did you bring for us today, my friend? I brought for myself, although I wish it was for sharing. Um, a sweet and old favorite. I think we've already uh, hit it on the cast, but this is a Northern Light Haze. Uh, the Northern Light Haze. Be, yeah. Th- is this the, the down. Broken Coast varietal? It is. They call it the Galliano, which makes it sound so, so fancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm going to be cheating down on this. It is the, one of the higher potency strains, so I'll be... Uh, I'll be treading gently. Uh, How about yourself, yes. buddy? Well, I have a neat one, uh, and I've not come across this strain in the wild up until recently. It's called Black Domina, D-O-M-I-N-A, and it's a, it's a beauty-looking nug. It's, it's more purple than I expected it to be when I picked it up. Um, it's like a, you know, there, I, should, I should qualify this. I had some, I had some, what was it, Black Diamond recently. That was probably the most purple weed I've ever seen. And funny enough, the reason I picked up Black Domino when I saw it is because this is one of the parent strains of that uh, of that uh, Black Diamond, which is a cross between Blackberry, which I think is descended from Black Domino. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, this isn't quite as purple as that Black Diamond. It's got some uh, some 
very orange hairs running through it. So they're very fiery looking hairs uh, all the way through the bud. Um, There's some big patches of dark green. And then closer to the base of this nug is some clumping of purple. It's, it's actually, it's a really visually interesting nug. It's not super frosty, um, but looking at it, it's like a rainbow of fruit flavors. And getting a nose on it, whoops. Uh, whoo. It's, it's actually very pleasant, very pleasant to get up in there. It's, it's a light flavor. It's a little bit perfumey. I want to say kind of smells like taking a deep breath of some Vancouver air. <laughs> I think that's, that's the best way to describe <laughs> it. feels like I'm up on a mountaintop taking a deep breath in a very earthy, very, um, outdoorsy, but not in that kind of pungent, uh, really herbaceous way. It's like fresh, clean mountain air. Yeah, that's all I can say about it. Fresh, clean mountain air. Maybe a little bit of sweetness in there too. Really digging it. I'm excited to get this uh, get this going. Do you want to read a, bit, a little bit about Black Domino while I fire this up in the paper? I think it's a fantastic idea. Let me just flip over to the fine folks. Oh, I've already gotten started. Oh boy. What is Black Domino? There he is. Working Gary. with four prime examples of cannabis, Afghanica, led sensi seeds to blend the world's finest indica genetics into a rapid flowering, crystal-coated <laughs> hybrid, Black Domina, combining desirable features from the Northern Lights, Ortega, Hash Plant, and Afghani Essay. Ooh has made the strain equally suited for the needs of the commercial growers, connoisseurs, and first-time cultivators. Oh, yeah. Black Domino delivers a spicy pepper aroma alongside overwhelming relaxation and sleepiness, making this strain ideal for late-night use. Ooh. Well, it is late night. You know what? The hashiness is really coming through. It's got that... Mm, that classic hash flavor. Um, a smooth hit, as smooth as I've ever had. Just just a real clean, uh, doesn't leave a lot on the palate after you exhale, but there's a warm kind of nougaty hashiness at the back of my tongue. I'm digging this one, man. This feels like a beauty strain. And um, yeah, what, what, are the, uh, what are the flavor notes? Uh, the flavor notes on this guy are earthy pepper and pine. Nice. It hasn't really settled in yet, but I've definitely got some relaxation dipping into my chakras. Some chakral relaxation, just mm-hmm. loosening all the areas. That's very important. Mm, let me bring you into my domain. Go ahead on your northern lights. On your little, uh, pink, your cute little pink bong. This little fella, this little fella is ready to rock. Let me just pack it up. I don't even know if I've ground it yet. I feel just like dealing with this on the fingers. I already feel like a contact high, which I know is <laughs> largely impossible. I know it's not how how it works. You know, HCA won't get you there. It will not. Not not by the finger full. That's for sure. Um, but this this fella smells like the car- caryophyllene. You get that pepper in there, big time spe- pepper the uh scent happening all over it that classic pine um that is in the northern strains you know and yeah the ground it smells like the ground as well so let's go ahead and open up my buddy jesus here and 
Get in there. Hopper in. Boop, 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 boop. I'm excited. I'm actually got to remember to only have a little bit because as I'm recalling, this is one of the ones that um, really hit the rocks for me in an earlier cast <laughs> uh, that we, we you had to like throw me a, a life preserver as I, I, was, I don't know. Uh, did, have I was, you I don't know if you smoked on the Northern Lights haze yet. I think I did the Galliano a little while ago. I'm not sure if you have to. You may have. But hey, man, weed's cool. You can go back again. Yeah, and this fella, I mean, we talked about it before, crystally, brown and green, cut like very, very popcorn-y type buds. I mean, just, just laden with crystal, and it, it smells like like freshly cracked pepper, like like right in your face. Nice. Very nice. All righty. Well, Northern Lights Haze. A sativa from Sensi Seeds, Northern Lights number 5 by Haze is a vigorous strain bred to improve upon Haze's flowering time and bud structure. With zesty flavors of pungent spice, this 70% sativa develops an invigorating cerebral buzz that seems to boost sensory awareness. Though the indica in her shines through in density and growth stature, this strain carefully preserves an uplifting high that's perfect for daytime use. No bedtime for Dan, not now. Uh, That's unfortunate. Well, it's going to help me with my final battle through Musselheim. Uh, I have unlocked after the regular trials, the difficult trials, and the impossible trials, something that's called hidden trials. And oh. I'm hitting the final hidden trial. And what it appears to be is a drag race to kill 50 enemies without getting hit once or the trial resets. And then you have to go and collect these keys again to do them. So it's a, a high risk, high reward. And I cannot imagine what the rewards are, but I'm scintillating at the thought. Look, look at that, man. If I ever need you to do anything, some yard work, maybe help me move, a little painting in the bathroom, I'm just going to dangle out those unknown rewards. Have you over in a jiff. You're just you're like, there'll be a pizza, but what are the toppings? I'm like, I got to know. <laughs> gotta know these toppings my dude no man that would require getting a pizza just go ahead and invite you over with some unknown rewards so i can hit you with them tater tots dollar 99 a bag <laughs> that's what you got tater tots <laughs> there will be some kind of move based mutiny yes i'll hijack your u-haul truck and drive it to nevada from whence it came <laughs> arizona actually uh fun fact um the other element though is that I would never be upset with someone feeding me tater tots. Like, let's be real. Yes, cheap option for sure. As good as pizza, definitely not. But a wholesome, wonderful thing to indulge in, tater tots. I haven't what eaten them since the 90s. What are you dipping your tots in, bro? I don't know. I what haven't had di- them. What are you dipping your tots in? I haven't had them for Yo, dog, 20 what are you, what are you years. dipping those tots in? Hey, man, I don't, what are you, I, what are you I don't dipping know. them tots in? I, I wouldn't dip you them in anything. You can't venture a tot-based no, guess? I wouldn't Stop guess. The cuff too That's deep. blasphemy. Dude, like, listen, if you're going to talk about dipping, talk about something you know. I, you've taken a weird stand here, so I'm just going to step in front of you I and usher you off stage in two and directions. just say, listen, the move right here, dip it in some Caesar. Get crazy with it. I say dip you know? it in some... Dip it in oh, some... Oh, now you, now you have a dip-based opinion. Dip it in some... Uh, <laughs> Honey listen, mustard? I love, I love, no, I just, it's too nuggety. I was going to say too, mayonnaise, too but that's too, French, that's too French fry. I was going to say right. um, a little little Big Mac sauce, but that's just, that's ridiculous. You listen, you don't get to make nine suggestions How about in a nice space aioli? of not making a suggestion. Get it into a garlic a aioli. Put that in there. You know what? I think 
you you take your ketchup and you put some spin on it and make a barbecue sauce. And you dip it in that BBQ. Oh, the BBQ, the BBQ. How about some sweet and sour? Go and go, uh, you know, go that direction. Get a little Asian with it. Get, get down at the into the Orient. Down into the Orient, or uh, you know, you could go curry sauce. You could drag that thing through a through a butter chicken. How about how about some chimichurri? Chimichurri is nice. I made a nice homemade yeah. chimichurri at Christmas time, actually. Christmas churri. Christmas chimichurri. I uh, I had done a a roasted porchetta, and so porchetta, little chimichurri on that bun, mwah, beautiful. Porchetta. Porchetta. You just get it in there. Porchetta. Por- Forget porchetta? about it. Porchetta. Porchetta. Porchetta about it. Get out of town. Porchetta. Get out of town. Porchetta about it. Whew, dude. Um. Whew. All right. <laughs> Did you bring yourself a munchie? No. Neither did I. I'm just, I'm, I'm drinking a, a Zions. Have you ever had a Zions, buddy? A Zions? You ever heard of Zions? Like, sounds like funky science. Before, before uh, Reebok took over the UFC and uh, fighters were free to sponsor all manner of things, you'd see Zions, Zions on their, their trunks. And, and the game on this mother is that it's, uh, it's an energy drink. It's actually... Uh, an energy drink that's vitamin fortified, and this flavor right here is blue pomegranate, and the claim is zero sugar. Oh, which is which is a good time. Um, it also has five hundred percent of your daily requirement of B twelve and B six, and something called pantothenate, which I'm sure is good for you. It has fourteen hundred percent of your pantothenate that you need. It feels like this right. is going to kill me. It feels like something Panto, that would kill you. Excuse me. Pantothenate. Um, 1,400% of your daily. Yeah. I'm gonna, let me give a quick Google on this, Andy, what this What this, percentage? This here's is. what I want to know. What percentage do I have to get to to kill me? Yeah. There's a find percentage. Out, find out what's going to kill me and then, then back it off a little. And I, 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 I got to tell you, man, it's I'm like a little worried. It's like 1,450? I'm a little bit worried because I've had two of these, so. Oh, is this an energy drink? An energy beverage? It's, it's, it's for sure it is. And this Dude. is like it's purportedly used by uh, I don't um, know. like uh, athletes and bodybuilders and what now. Okay, yeah. Pantothenic so, so is acid Red Bull if is, they pay enough money that quarter. Uh, if you're an athlete, you're not drinking Red Bull, buddy. You're just not. You're just not. Um, <laughs> pantothenic acid, okay, also called damn. vitamin B five, is a water soluble. You were vitamin. an athlete like me. You'd know. <laughs> Let's look up toxicity, my man. Listen, sure. I didn't say as an athlete. As an athlete, I can tell you with full confidence, in the locker room, we don't drink Red Bull. <laughs> so this is good news for we everybody. We live on spankings alone. <laughs> it's like a, like a friendly ass. I got a, you like know a what, Tom? Athletic after, that, after that chest press, I got a hankering for a spankering. <laughs> Uh, so toxicity. This is good news for everybody. Remember when we toxicity. talked about pulling back the curtain, Dan? <laughs> that applies Andy, here. If you don't let me read this Wikipedia paragraph, I'm gonna drive to your house and just slap up one side of you and down the other. It'll be spanks for days. No, you're not, because I live at least an hour and fifteen minutes away. Don't don't test my metal. It'll oh. be so upsetting when it that's happens. The, that's okay, the, that's the seven year old move. Get Dear podcasting Jesus. Can you guide me to this and let me read it? <laughs> oh, God. Blessed are the wiki readers. Okay. So, good news for everybody. The toxicity of pantothenic acid is 
unlikely to be crossed. In fact, no tolerable upper le level has been established. Large doses, large doses of the vitamin, when ingested, have no reported side effects, and massive doses, up to 10 grams a day, may only yield mild, mm, the word you asked me not to say earlier, diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, okay so you, what you're telling me is i could take infinite of panto whatever the hell and i'd be just fine Pentothenate, yeah yeah it's not gonna it's not gonna hurt you i could Apparently consume 100 grams i'd be mostly pentothylate at that point my body now, would know. be like a crystallized version of this vitamin <laughs> but i'd be fine you're, you're gonna make a rich carapace made entirely of this compound which, yeah. you know, you hear about vitamins. It's like a little let's, Dostoyevsky, let's, man. We're turning into the insect. It's happening. Let's be honest. We don't know what they really do. And, and and you know what? I really don't. It's one of those things where I try to learn a lot about. And you get down to uh, biochemistry. And God bless the biochemists out there. Because you're a group of masochists. Because I go to learn this stuff. And I'm like, methyl group 4A uptake receptor. No, I won't do it. I will not do it. I'll... I'll learn about the depths of space, but uh, biochem, I mean, I'm going to leave that for other people. Fair B enough. Better people. That should have been, been Kafka, by the way. I feel like a real dick about that one. What, what do you mean Kafka? The insect. Kafka. Andy, nobody remembers that dumb reference you made. <laughs> <laughs> they're, oh. they're tuned into this, this day. Should we get back to the show notes? Because oh, this is man. a dangerous side. Fidio Pantalate has really taken us on a detour here. You let me do a thing. You let me have the wheel. And where have I taken us? Oh, dude, we're like out in the bush, out in the bush in Guadalajara. It's gonna take a while. You know, to get we back. call this we call this section the unsanctioned dank dive because we go to a place for which no one could have expected. Deep, deep, deep. It if you had $5 on Pantiothenate on today's episode, go ahead and cross that. We'll be getting a, a check for five grand from me. <laughs> that commodity market has gone way up. If there's a, if there's a market for Panto whatever isolate, it's, it's way up today. There are games <laughs> releasing in the month of July 2018, Dan. <laughs> no were kidding. You, you were, were you aware of this phenomenon, this rare phenomenon? They, they release them almost every month, which is wow. nice of them. Isn't that fascinating? So some big, uh, some big heavy hitters. <laughs> Octopath Travelers coming down the pipe. I'm, I'm really pumped about this one. First, yeah. gen, genuinely the first um, true-to-form JRPG uh, in the mm -hmm. traditional sense up, out on Octopath Traveler in the vein of a Final Fantasy. Oh, it is Square Enix, of course. Um, yeah, it's that 2D JRPG that I've been waiting for, ready to jump in. Hey, Andy, they went deep on this thing. You can actually download the quote-unquote demo for Octopath and play through each of the uh the possible character's initial story and then save that save file and import any or all of them into octopath traveler nice. when it drops that's awesome i i love this in a time where we do not get enough uh demos like demos aren't a thing anymore remember when you used to get demos man i used to buy pc gamer just for the demos exclusively for the demo because you weren't downloading hundreds of megs over the internet it no. just wasn't a thing heck no nah. so you and you know it, it was a good taste you get to know what the games are about so nintendo's really gone uh deep with this and given an amazing there's like eight hours of gameplay that you can play for free right now if you got a switch 
That's actually amazing. So, you know, good guy, Square Enix, putting out the old demo. I'm really pumped about this, man. I mean, this this game, the more I hear about it, the more excited I am to dip into it. Um, I love the visuals on Octopath Traveler. I, I love that it feels just Final Fantasy enough to, to, to hit that yearning for a faraway place, but it's got enough of its own style that it feels distinct. Octopath Traveler will be a an absolute pickup for me. You uh, you need a switch, my friend, because you're going to be missing yeah. out on this one. Yeah, I got to tell you, this isn't the one that's pushing it over the scale. We'll get that in a couple, down the list, a couple titles. Okay, awesome. Um, Sonic Mania Plus is coming out for the Switch, for PS4 and Xbox One mid-July, which is, okay, I'm, I'm really pumped about Sonic, or uh, pardon me, Sonic Mania Plus. This game was very well-reviewed when it came out for, uh, what was it originally? Dan, feed me this one. Ooh, I'm going to say it came out for the PC no. and two other, yes, the PC and two other platforms. So I'm thinking, ooh, two other platforms. Xbox mm. and PS4? PS4? Sonic Mania came out. Xbox One, PS4, Switch, PC. I guarantee you. Okay, so... Right, yes. Mm. Am I crazy right now? It's on right the PC. Now? It's on the PC, buddy. Okay, anyway, doesn't matter. Wow, that, that's, that just blew my mind a little bit because I did not. Okay, anyway, all good. Hello. Coming Back out, to Earth. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so it is da -da -da, Sega's next big return to traditional Sonic action, new levels, more secrets, and two additional characters in the form of Mighty the Armadillo. And Ray Finally. the Flying Squirrel, those old canon oh, favorites. The you know, I the like it because they have a list of marsupials that are still untapped. Wombat, koala, lots. Right. Yeah, they've got yeah. a... Well, I mean, I remember so actually Sonic had a... Um, I want to say in the early 2000s, had a cartoon that came on and they had created a whole post-apocalyptic... Yeah, a whole post-apocalyptic fiction of this like terrible world where Robotnik was the man and yeah. uh, he's part of a crew of freedom fighters yeah I remember that that was a wild because they're like what's, what's Sonic's raison d'etre oh he's fighting to overthrow the tyrannous yoke of a robotic overlord right it's like okay that's tried and tested you know it's got a John Connor type vibe uh -huh. if John Connor was a tiny blue marsupial that ran roughly at the speed of sound is a hedgehog a marsupial yes it is for sure. Um, yeah, man, I mean, speaking of that train wreck of an idea, uh, are you aware that there's a Sonic the Hedgehog movie on the horizon? Buddy, this, these, this has been whispered into my ear for oh, the you last have, couple okay. weeks. This is and this as the cast still blowing my mind. gets opened more and more, it gets weirder and weirder. Do you hear about the recent, most recent cast edition? Oh yeah, Jim Carrey, man. Jim Carrey is Old going to be playing. James Carrey. <laughs> he's going to be playing Eggman. That is Eggman. Either a, either a really terrible move, as you might suspect, or genius. Maybe genius. Jim is the guy. Jim is the guy because we've got so much Thanos voice. Uh, you know, you, you turn the thing on its ear and you let Jim Carrey go crazy on it. And he's got a, a history of doing this very, very well. You know, whether it be, you know, the Grinch or, or whatever, he can summon a voice uh, that'll be appropriate. And you can't, he can't go wrong with this. 
There's no wrong answer. Yeah, I feel you. No, I mean, I I think you're right. I think this is more good decision than bad decision. The question is, is a Sonic the Hedgehog movie something worth producing? Is it something that A, enough people will want to watch... And B will could actually have a, a small chance of being good, and I say yes to both counts. I actually I really want to see this movie right now. It's got some stuff going for it. I a, mean, I don't know if it's Black ex- Dominus speaking, but it sounds rad as hell, man. It has low expectations. It's actually a chan- a movie that's kind of going to be original by its very inception. I think it's going to be somewhere near like a a a. a uh, a Lego feel, the Lego movie feel, like somewhere around that kind of tone mm. of of zaniness and seriousness. With that'll be the right way to do it, I think. And you know, nobody's going in saying this is going to be Oscar material. They're just going to take a chance. Good for them. They make movies about everything. Yeah, I feel like a cheeky antihero. The climate's really, really up for that. Deadpool has kind of burned a path for uh, you know for having that kind of humor in a movie. So. You never know. Sonic the Hedgehog could be the next sleeper hit of whenever the hell it's coming out. 1990? Wow. I've gone back in time. I do mean 2018. <laughs> Buddy, you're, it sounds better in the 90s. It, it makes more sense. <laughs> that was not a joke. That was time travel. Uh, back to games releasing in July. So, yes, Sonic Mania Plus is coming out July 17th. Now, Banner Saga 3 is coming out on July 24th for PC, PS4, Switch, and Xbox One. Is this one that's already come out on handheld? No. Um, this is something we just got a just got the, the news on. Like, we got a release date days ago. And, oh, uh, I see. So, it was, was it... No, it wasn't. This one wasn't crowdfunded. The original series was, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, so this this uh, is Stoics. this is not debuting on iOS first, right? No, no, they're they're doing a release across all of them. Uh, Stoics Epic Vipe Viking RPG is coming to a conclusion with this thing, and uh, the the first one was received well enough to have the studio do a normal release of the next one through more standard funding channels, and then the third, you know, it, it was good enough that it begged a third one and wide release. Like, this is a thing that's releasing on all consoles. That's a triumph. Looking at the you know, graphics the here, I mean, it, it still has that uh, similar animation style to it, which is really breathtaking. Like, this screenshot yeah. in and of itself is, like, enough to make me stoked about playing this game. Um, but the original ones came out, if I'm not correct, or if I'm not mistaken, rather, on iOS, right? Correct. Yeah, you're, you're 100% correct. And you, you notice that the themes here pull a lot from the same pool that... God of War does. Um, they pull a lot of themes from the Nordic uh, a vibe. There's a world serpent type creature that's 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 you know interpreted in a different way. The giants come into play. It, uh, playing on that theme, I would say that maybe some of the if you ask uh, the God of War folks, maybe they pulled a little bit of influence from this because they were doing it a, a couple years before God of War uh, in in the Nord realm was dreamt of. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's certainly possible. I mean, I feel like the Viking Nordic theme is is um, one that I probably won't be tired of for a really long time. And I could see with the success of God of War, some other people coming back to the well for this thing. Um, yeah, for me, it's for me, it's a winning theme. I'm really stoked about a, another bundle that's coming out. So I almost picked up the X Men or the X Men Legacy Collection um, the other the day. X, at, at, uh, is is Wolverine in that? Sorry, did I say X-Men? I meant Mega Man Legacy yeah. Collection. What, where did I see X-Men? Yeah. There you go. All right. Saturday morning cartoons. Welcome aboard. Here we go. Um, 
Yeah, the uh, it, so the one that's out right now at GameStop is uh, the original Mega Man collection. So it's one through ten. It comes with I think a physical copy of the first and a digital download for the second, or vice versa. Can't quite remember. Almost picked it up. It was pretty reasonably priced in Canada. I think forty four bucks or something like that for just about every Mega Man game. Pretty decent. Um, but Mega Man X Legacy Collection is what I'm holding out for. I did spend some time. My very first Mega Man game was a week on this podcast. So, uh, yeah, I mean, my original Mega Man experience, for better or for worse, was Mega Man X. And I feel like um, I feel like that's the collection that I want to play through. All of the Mega Man X games. Do you have a favorite in that lineup? You know, X1 is a classic. X2 iterates on it. I think X3, you know gets a little bit is where the series gets a little bit away from me it's not the games after that aren't good they just don't have the same sort of tempo of of redefining the series and uh they i think they go really deep on zero on one of them that i think kind of hurts the experience a bit but they try some stuff and the gameplay is varied i think that for your value this is this is a great one to pick up yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. You know what? The, I was gonna pick up the Mega Man Legacy, Legacy Collection anyway. I just I really didn't dig the cover. The cover art on the Switch version was horrific. It was more like border uh, than actual franchise graphics. I know that that might seem like a small thing, but in an age where you know box art and the way that the package looks when I buy it makes a difference to me, considering otherwise I could just pick up a uh, you know a digital version. It was just really poorly done. Kind of a bummer considering it's, you know, a, a master compilation of these classic games. I, I gotta be honest, it could be Mega Man bearing his robotic tushy at me and I'd still buy it. Right. Well, fair point. One other really fascinating game that's uh, that's coming out, or I should say amendment to a game, speaking of releasing content after the fact, um, No Man's Sky, the much... <laughs> the much condemned game of overpromise under or other way around. Yes, overpromise under deliver. Um, this game has been. I mean, I think it was shellacked for so so challenged or so with such vigor that uh, it created the vacuum that was required to of internet bleeding heart rage to uh, to bury mass effect by the time it had come along no man's sky got so much hate when it launched i think you picked up a launch copy and had a real real bear of a time with it right it just got blasted because you know they overpromised so many features that were kind of like you know right. is fell victim to overhype they went went on talk shows and i think the guy uh, who was promoting it just couldn't help but say like yeah there there's that you know like he they touted that there was going to you could run into cuz they say there's an endless universe and you know billions of trillions of planets that you can name and all this exploring thing and everybody's exploring it somebody eventually asked the question of can you run into other players and the guy was like uh yeah and thinking that people never would he's like but it's so remote that the chance would happen it's like impossible well immediately some of the first things the players did is go to the same planet and try to meet you know like that's that's like immediately what what right. the community is the, the do. logical was, decision and it's found to be totally false. And I thought like maybe you would even say like see just like a floating light where the other player is. You can't see them at all. But it just was totally absent. It was a complete fabrication. I'm sure you went to the dev team after you said that. He's like, can we make this happen? And they're like, no. 
<laughs> no, we can't. Dave, why would you say that? Uh, yeah. Come on. I, so um, I, I, I know, didn't, I didn't new... actually know that because there was some limited multiplayer present in this game, right? Like multi. So as part of this release, which is um, No Man's Sky Extra, I want to say. I don't know. I no, don't know. No man. Um, well, I'm whatever. not sure what, what it's called, but that they dev what a patch put a recent patch in that there, now there is multiplayer there's some level of interaction there's vehicles they've added some assets they've 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 really put some stuff on the, the game that are quality of life and you know mm. retroactively not making them full of shit which is these are all good things no nope, um, sorry it's no I, man's sky next excuse me so it, wonderful it, i mean it, it 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 functionally is the release of no man's sky on xbox at this point too because there wasn't there wasn't a ver- that's crazy. There wasn't a version released for Xbox previously. I guess so they, they can't. They've they canned it on launch. Welcome them to their shorts. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so this specific release is it's implementing full multiplayer at this point. And you said that they over some patches between launch and now, I imagine they've added some some extras to the game. I'm kind of curious about this because I know no bases was a big question mark. Um, and now it seems just kind of flipping through this this synopsis that let me see here. People have actually put together something called the Galactic Hub. It's like a mapped out area of space where um, players are starting to congregate. Interesting. I game, love this, that. Yeah, I the, love that. This game has has obviously got some fans. You know, I would be very tempted to jump back into No Man's Sky, and by back I mean I watched you play it on a couch once, so this would be my first time. I know that they're even reading through the comments. There's plenty of folks who are like, "This game was not nearly as bad as people made it out to be. It was an incredible mood game. You'd get in, you'd experience the wonders of a randomly generated universe. Yes, it was mostly solo. Yes, there was very little meaningful gameplay to keep you long term. But that to me sounded like a relaxing experience. Now that there's, you know, I mean, boy, what what are some of the multiplayer features? Again, base building is a really interesting part. You know, just the ability to um, collect materials and and do something that feels permanent in the world this player initiated stuff it's just like on eve online you know there most of the the gameplay on that sandbox game is player driven i imagine that uh, you know i imagine that no man's sky could eventually reach um at least some level of player agency driving emergent gameplay and and other and other you know fun new ways to enjoy no man's sky seems plausible yeah, and it plays on a bunch of mechanics that I just I love at their core. If you've ever played a game um, called Out There, it's an iOS game. I think it's come out for Android and other stuff. But it's it's it it harnesses that galactic travel side of it and random uh, exploration stuff and ancient aliens. And I think that applied to this type of you know MMO type type format in the cockpit type format is is a really cool evolution and. Uh, you know, add, and have adding on building and bases, it, it fascinates me more and more. And I'm regretting my PlayStation purchase less and less. Uh, yeah. Glad I didn't rush for that refund. Yeah. Well, I know that you do. You got the collector's edition too, didn't you? I don't think so. No. Uh, okay. I think I just got a standard, a standard jobby. The collector's edition actually looked really cool. I think it came with like a 3D print or 3D model of the of this the classic spaceship featured in that game uh, along with like uh you know some maps and some full color art and the artwork by the way speaking of game covers the artwork on no man's sky just like 
transcendent. To me, yeah, it's got to be some of the best video game artwork I've seen. Um, you know, it tickles my imagination, makes me feel like exploring stuff. It's hitting all the right notes, Dan. We we bought we bit off more game than we could chew on this one, guys. And while that game that we promised isn't in the box, we fucking killed it on that cover art. Killed it on that cover art. Doubled down on our expenses there, for sure. Um, dude, I think we need to power on through whatculture.com came up with an article uh, entitled 10 Ways Gaming Was Infinitely Better in the 90s. You want to do a little lightning round, see if we agree slash disagree, and then jump off into the wide oblivion of, of peaceful sleep? I think, it's, I think it's the right move from stem oh, to stern. Man, I am, I am vibing on this indica and feeling real tired. I'm ready for night-night time. <laughs> the, uh, the strain choice informs the length and speed of the podcast. Uh, we, just a uh, meandering we dawdled, we, we dawdled through this at uh, what I'd like to call impulse speed. There you go. There you go. Ten ways gaming was infinitely better in the 90s. Number 10, DLC was called an expansion wasn't downloadable you had to fit games on a certain size of disc and therefore you needed enough content to justify something good out the door what do you think on that dlcs are the mixed blessing of uh you know the the current day so i gotta agree with that i gotta say yes yes y'all i heartily disagree i think yes there's an opportunity for developers to push out underdeveloped or um not justifiable DLC for a certain price, especially if your game is popular and hot at the time. In practice, though, I feel like the DLC experience, I only ever pull the trigger on that on a game that I'm really stoked on. And word travels around quickly about DLC that's not worth the purchase price on the internet these days. So just in my mind, the DLC model is the ability to roll out lighter, more agile releases of a game, patch it, after it's released, like, I mean, damn, look at Mass Effect. You know, they canceled this, the DLC for that guy, but the ability to deliver, um, you know, micro doses of content after the fact pulled that thing out of the shitter. So, yeah, for me, I'm feeling pretty darn good about DLC living. Especially when it comes from your friends, uh, you know, that made, uh, that made uh, Project uh, Red. What am I trying to say? CD, CD Project, Project Red. Red Ooh, that made, uh, we went in deep this evening. Yeah, we're bringing it back. It uh, made The Witcher, um, our good friend. And, uh, you know, that, those DLCs, the DLCs of that are huge and like full other games. And I say that not having played them. So there you go. That, that tells you something. Tells you something. Um, well, my let me say th- internet let me, let me has gone this down. this one, buddy. Why well, you, you're still are, with me, though. Oh, incredible. We're, we're good. Okay. So well, let me take let me take the go. wheel and say arcades were better in the nineties. Hands down. And where this shows up is you could walk into any arcade and find an excellent fighting game. Marvel vs. Capcom, Street Fighter, all kinds of brilliance. And you can, they are not to be found in, in arcades. And I mean, there's half as many arcades on top of that, right? So that's saying something. Yep, I feel you on that one. I mean, arcades are kind of a, well, they're either a a super kitschy retro thing that you get to experience now or not at all. And um, yeah, in my humble opinion, I miss arcades. I miss when just about every benign place out there was an arcade, like the local laundromat. Missing all of that shit. Um, So agree. 
you know what? The last bastion of the arcade is the movie theater and the amusement park. And you'll find them in both. They used to be in hotels and bars and golf courses. Oh, yeah. And, and as a kid that was getting, you know, uh, uh, traveling with his dad, you know, in the 90s, you knew where all these key locations were. And you'd you'd make a break for the arcade. You had got a preternatural sense for it. But uh, I digress. Well, you'd, you'd always make sure someone had quarters. Yourself, a friend, your parent. You got quarters because if you're going somewhere as a kid... You got nothing else to do except for play the shit out of an arcade game when you arrived at somewhere boring. Damn, did you ever need a lot of quarters? How is a couch like an arcade cabinet? Both are filled with quarters, potentially. So, oh, um, good one, yes, Daniel. Yes, sir. Yes, this is correct. Um, so the last bastion was the, the amusement parks. And you go in there now, they're not there. And I, you know, I've inquired about this at some length. And they're like, well, they pulled them because... Um, you know, they felt that they were violent and might be inciting violence. And like my eyes roll so hard, um, they fly out of my face. And I over to all the gun games that are in there. There's aliens and sniper games and everything. I'm like, so you took out the violent games. Right. The violent ones. And they're right. like, yes. I'm like, yeah, I was, I, you're right. If I had Ken here, I might try to dragon punch someone. That's just the feeling it puts inside oh, me. Oh, I feel you, man. Yeah, it's, you know, we're not going back to the olden days. I feel like there'll be a new incarnation of arcades. Like, I feel like as technology advances, the next time that we can go out and engage with technology that makes us go, whoa, at a video game or media experience level, I feel like there will be a business around it. It'll look way different. Probably close to something like in Minority Report. There's a pretty vivid scene there. If you've seen it, you know what's up. Hey, guys. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see that future. But for now, I'm going to live blissfully in the past. I agree. Arcades, definitely the way to go. Number seven was memory cards were portable. And I kind of agree with this. Kind of agree with this statement. Um, uh, I'm I'm a hard I'm a hard no on this thing, man. Built in and updatable to the cloud. Uh, I mean, I remember the horror of a memory card deleted or going missing. It's like an artifact that's uh, temperamental, mental, and losable. I just hit upload to the cloud, and my games are backed up. It doesn't matter if my PlayStation is hit by a cruise missile. It's gonna it's gonna come out the other side intact. Right, I understand that. I think the, the correct answer here is both. Because being able to cart shit around on your memory card, being able to transfer it cross-system, being able to keep that data even without having internet access, to me is far more um, appealing. You know, uh, being able to cart a PlayStation memory card around and give it to your friend to... Um, you know, play a game that already has all of the levels unlocked or all of the cheats unlocked. That was just that was just simpler times. It's like handing someone something on a USB. Yeah, you don't want to do it most of the time. But the fact that there aren't removable memory sources for game consoles right now, I feel like that's a miss. So I agree with you largely, but I I still see a place for those old school memory cards. So I I gotta say, you know, you have something there. You can download save games to a USB from your PS4 but I think it can be only used with the same user and it has to be signed in to the PlayStation Network. And I, I think it is a fail safe against soft modding because right. soft modding, famously what happens is a game is found with an exploit 
and uh, it's used in a combination usually with a save file to uh, you know enact some sort of uh, workaround to bypass the operating system or inject code and uh, save games can be achieved that way and, you know if you require games to be patched when you sign on and go to play them and you can't trade save or, uh, save games between users that nullifies that um, right totally and wholly fully and completely which is probably why the PlayStation 4 remains unhacked. Well, you know, I, it's like it's so funny because the um, <laughs> the cloud giving way to unique user accounts and all of the complexity that goes into a user profile on on PS4, for example, all of the games you have, the multiple save states, are they downloaded locally? Are they saved to the cloud? Like, yes, if you wanted to sit down and go through the logical steps of understanding exactly how all those things are dependent on each other, spectacular, but it's a game console. And so I gotta be honest with you, I look at the console and my understanding of my account and its presence on my machine, I chalk up to witchcraft. You know, so I'm not tempted to screw with that at all. The idea of just copying data to a memory card and plugging it into something else just sits with my brain a little bit better. Uh, I agree with you, though. I'm sure that there are um, accessible and creative workarounds to all of the little challenges I just outlined. So, yeah, we can probably both agree memory cards being gone. Just a thing that needed to happen. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, uh -huh, mm -hmm. uh -huh. uh, number six is no patches to download. Now, what do they mean by that? Patch file you know, sizes are out. Oh, right. I understand. So they're saying that there's too many patches to download after launch now. And back in the 90s, you had to release a game that was largely complete in order to, uh, you know, in order to have something saleable. Um, you know, th this touches on a, a piece of the iceberg. I agree with them, but for a whole other reason, when you bought a game, like a game uh, that you treasure, um, you know, whether it's a link to the past on the Super NES, it's always going to be a link to the good. past. Yep. It's never going to move from how you remember it. Um, you know, games are more alive now. And, you know, it's a bad example in a way. But, you know, when I went back to EverQuest 10 years later, that game, the game I knew doesn't exist. Gone. Right. And there's, you know, you could probably find a custom server that's running vanilla EverQuest props. If, if you're hit doing that, hit us up by email. I want to actually, hear they you. did a progression server, like an official one a couple of years back where they rebooted the game to zero and released an expansion every six months or something. Pretty cool. Yeah. I remember that. That that's such a badass move. Yeah. Um, really badass yeah, move. I'm agree. I'm going to agree. I, I think the, I think the, you know, another example of that maybe would be games like, well, hell, even Mass Effect Andromeda, right? You know, I've got this game patched up to the point where it's super, you know, it's working and, and I feel like at least I haven't had to deal with, uh, if it, the words are to be believed, all of the graphical bugs and issues that that game had upon launch. However, you know, in the future, those servers turn off, that physical game no longer gives me this, the experience of a fully patched game. It's now the launch copy that sucked by and large. Um, that's yeah, that's there's something lost there. I mean, you know, as we get further and further into rapid agile development of video games after launch, it's going to like I can't I can imagine a time where a physical and I mean, we're already very clearly moving away from physical video game copies, um, but where vi video game copies just are utterly irrelevant, not just in online games, but even in single single player games. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's very true. I'm, I'm with you on that one, brother. Yeah, well, clicking on the next button. Next button isn't going anywhere. There we go. Controllers were built to last and didn't need recharging. Shenanigans. Utter shenanigans. Yeah. Uh, no, controllers Stone Age. work fine. And having a cable, and I can speak 
with experience, recent experience, considering I just, you know, went back and, and kicked the can out of PS2. Um, having wired controllers sucks, really sucks. Recharging the controllers can be infuriating. You know, you get home from work, you left your controller uncharged after a marathon gaming session, and now you have to wait for it to charge up. But A, I feel like a lot of people have two controllers, and B, damn, dude, like the ability to just lounge anywhere in front of your TV without worrying about the cord between you and the console knocking over, you know, four bottles of, of pop and, uh, you know, and some chips is, is a real blessing. Uh, Modern wonder. I mean, you, you said it. Uh, consoles don't get pulled off the, the mantle anymore. They, they, they aren't right. having the same fates they used to getting, you know, kicked through a cord. And that's beautiful. That's, that used to be like the, uh, uh, the most horrifying sleepovers, right? Imagine. Am I right? You know, your, your bros yes. come over, they're all, you're all crashing yep. in the basement, playing some yes. late night games and someone mm. whips the PS2 off the mantle or the N64 or whatever. And that's just game over for the night. You're just, ah, uh, what a buzzkill. Uh, I mean, it, it is literally the worst thing could, that can occur because everything's on the line at that point. The the game, the save file, the console, you know, everything. You know, maybe your buddy might may have crippled his knee. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> but, no, you know, the only like thing that... Todd. You know Todd. He's like the friend. <sighs> he's like Stu's friend. Stu's a chill bro. Todd just kind of tags along with Stu. You're kind of tertiary hey, friends, but you'd never hey, hang out hey, with Todd one-on-one. You wouldn't do it. Hi, He's like the Elaine, likes- the Elaine and George situation. You know, Elaine and George can only hang out when, when Jerry's there. Otherwise, totally awkward. He didn't have uh, Lego. He had like, Dup- uh, like, like, like Duplo or like one right. of the other ones. And you're like, oh, hey, Todd. He's like, you guys will be playing foot in that? And you're like, oh, come on. Anyway, uh, you know, the only thing I ask for the hardiness of new controllers, because they are pretty hardy, is... Can we spend 10 cents more on those thumbstick covers, make them like infinitely durable? Because I know a th- it's like no, dude. one of the only things that guarantees you that you're going to have to buy a new controller. But just like we pay so much, so many raw dollars for them. Just like don't make me order a new thumbstick cover on eBay. Like, don't, Man, listen, don't I've watched that. you play video games before. You attack that thing. You're like a badger out of control. I don't think your experience of, of playing around with a dual shock is the same as a normal human's. You're you're on that thing like like an axe murderer. You know, that's only because you and I have been deep in the throes of a Street Fighter showdown. Um, you know, I don't I don't typically the sound get the joysticks my... make when they hit the side of the casing still sends chills down my spine. Haunting, aren't they? <laughs> Just a reverberating click that has no end. Uh it's has been said that I Hadouken harder than anyone. Ah, uh, yes, indeed. Um, number four, cartridge loading times were a thousand times better. Yeah, long loading times suck, hundred percent. And it's it's. I agree. It's sometimes a challenge for me to want to boot up. I don't know The Witcher because I know it's going to take me two and a half to four minutes to get into the game, and I'm not pumped about it. That being said, like. You know, it, it, there's obviously a, an enormous delta between the amount of data being loaded proportionate to, you know, the console to now. Um, and I'm not upset about it. I think that I think that it's just, you know, bigger games with much more complex stuff going on. What do you think? Uh, you know, it, for what it is, it was great. But, yeah, I think we've gone beyond it. 
we're we're past that. But uh, that is a nice appeal. Uh, Mario Brothers is just Mario Brothers. You turn it on, no loading required. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, pre-order bonuses were for everyone. Um, they're hating on limited edition uh, culture. I'm kind of I'm kind of with you on that. You know, in the '90s, they say there was no paying above and beyond, nor having to scour particular shops to find the edition you were after. I'm just um, going to go ahead and stop you. How, how right. many sweet statues did you get with your 90s release? I didn't get any sweet uh, statues. Zero. And I like sweet yeah. statues. Yeah. So and I like the like fact that I have the choice. choice. I can get more choice. sweet statue or no. This is, this is unnecessarily gatekeeping. Wait, it's the opposite of gatekeeping. Quit opening my gate. Leave that gate in some other status. Maybe half open? I don't know. It feels at once... Like you're asking for equality for everyone, but also like you're at the same time taking away my choice to have exceeding, exceedingly uh, luxurious packages or, you know, the Spartan copy that I am interested in the game, but not interested in all the, the tchotchkes for. Yeah, I mean, give, I like Space for Awesome, and it just sounds like options and Space for Awesome. You know, it's only if you cloister something that should be for everyone off in your special, special edition land. You know, that's the only time I take umbrage with it. But uh, if I get more awesome, if I, I can vote with my dollars for more awesome, I will. Yep. Fair enough. This one is insane. AA batteries are number two. Double A batteries are much better than lithium. You lost me, bro. What? You Cabin lost pressure me. lost. Get out of here. Pardon? What? Are you talking about rechargeable? Or do you talking about throw in the garbage, kick mother earth in the womb? I'm talking about kick mother earth in the womb, double A batteries. Yeah, that's that's a hard pass. Come on, guys. Uh, what culture? We you know we had some interesting debate up until now. Having to replace your controller with batteries? Come on. No. Get out of here. It, they're lighter. They're more effective. They're rechargeable. You know, on the very odd occasion, they might burst into flames. But I think that adds an element of danger that I can get behind. This is like I gotta I gotta I gotta quote this. AAs are pretty terrible for the environment, but they're swap in and swap out. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) More importantly, you have the ability to carry extras, tons of extras. Heck, you could even use one pair after recharging another if you were smart enough to buy rechargeables. Like, what I just, manner of gamer are you this that human? you're like, I do an 18-hour marathon <laughs> travel on my portable handheld device? I mean, I don't even get it, man. Like, like the idea of carrying around batteries is just anathema to my existence. It's like, where do you even put those suckers? Now you're, now you're committed to a backpack. That's happening. Go yeah. home with that. You now, number you two, now have number you two now have gear. Hit it. And number one, consoles were for gaming and only gaming. Uh, PC aside, the 90s had no online gaming and there was no need for subscription fees. It feels like they're hating on both having additional features on a, a console, like, for example, having browsers and other media like YouTube, etc., and also hating on um, online gaming and subscription fees. Nah, dude, more options across the board. This is, I, nah, I don't get it. The, the, you know the, what? The, the closing, pardon me, but the closing line is, sometimes simplicity is what gamers want. Maybe that's why the Switch sold 15 million units in its first year. I don't think that the fact that it doesn't have YouTube is the reason why people bought the Switch. That's just... I, 
nah. Missing the point. You know what? And the, the, the Swiss Army knife that came once the PlayStation 2 hit the shelves as a DVD player, um, it let me make a use case that was... Uh, you know, floatable in my household. Totally. You know? Oh, oh, Dad, did you know it plays DVDs? It's a DVD player. We need one of those anyway. Oh, and you know, PlayStation Three, Blu-ray. Oh it, yeah. It made a use case that I could leverage, and it got the PlayStation in the door, and it pushed it ahead of other consoles. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, man. I'm a hundred percent with you, it, and it's and it's justification for yourself too. And it's consolidation of machines into something like on my, like I can't have YouTube on enough platforms because sometimes no. I want to be in bed. Sometimes I want to be in front of the computer. Sometimes I want to be in front of the TV and sometimes I want to be in the freaking backyard and I can now, do that across TVs all my platforms are now, you know, lessening the effect of that because a lot of TVs can do the same thing. But I would argue that the PlayStation does it in one spot in an easy way to access them on a on a you know quick pick it up controller uh, and it makes a lot of sense because I do YouTube from my PlayStation Netflix and it you know you just you got your one stop shopping you know when I have to fire up my Android box to try and watch a, a hard to find TV episode um, it, that can be an onerous process. Yeah, no, there, there's there's no doubt. Um, boy, I. I I, I feel like the first eight were really strong what culture, but this one, this just feels like hating on the cult of the new for being the cult of the new. I don't think that glorifying a day when we used to have six different remote controls for like the DVD player, the satellite, the recorder, the PlayStation, and the, you know, the TV was, was a cool, was a cool time. I remember hating that shit because you'd go over to someone else's house and I've literally no idea how to operate their entertainment I system. I love it. I love Ugh, it. it. It was horrific. a secret code. Only yeah. the, the indoctrinated would know you have to be enlightened. And you Tell know what? Your fucking uh, grandma was home alone and she's like, um, I put I it really on to watch channel anything. five. <laughs> yeah, put it on channel and five. Then, and you're like, come on, man. Like, now NPR is only playing out of the left speaker. <laughs> I can't turn it down. Oh, yeah. There was work. another fucking remote for Dolby Digital, too. You had your surround sound system. You had another remote for. And if you're missing one key to the archaic puzzle, you wouldn't be able to, you know, get to the, the audio visuals you desire. It's like national treasure. You'd have to get Nicolas Cage in there to decipher, uh, yeah. you know, the, the angles of the quantums. You know, Dude, give it, give it all the, the shade. Or like a future civilization. I apologize for interrupting you, but can you imagine a future civilization coming back after an apocalypse that happened, let's say, mid-2000s, 2004, and they're still like diehard playing on loop on the television, and they're trying to decipher a what this fantastic picture is but also b how to turn on and off the sound switch between devices you'd have a full-on fucking team in there yeah it's actually the subject of my young adult fiction novel that i've been writing right it just says uh <laughs> you're pulling back the curtain it's again dan switch input question mark yeah there's there a better go. name than that it's like digital haze boom found it Found it. It features uh, a robot man and an oddly playing girl, so you can get into her shoes. Works well, if you time. say so, Dan. If you say there so. There you go, buddy. All righty. Well, um, I think we're going to just about go ahead and wrap it up and land the old purple dungeon pod here, my dude. Um, listener questions or comments or things you'd like us to play or do or interview at this point. It seems like we're every bit the interviewer as... Oh, who's that guy with the silver hair? Anderson Cooper, bless you. Uh, email us at purpledungeonsquid at gmail.com. 
And raise your street cred with your friends by recommending the new hip podcast you heard. Oh. Dan, uh, let me check in just because we're at the end of the podcast and why not? How's yeah, that buddy. Northern Lights haze settling in with you? It's like I'm in a raft in a deep ocean. Oh, you've, you've been pushed out of the pushed out of shore, right? Eh? There's a star field that's guiding my way to the promised land. Yeah, I feel like um, the night sky has ascended above me and is is ushering me a warm glow towards towards my bedchamber. Make a sure warm, you follow glowing, us. Warm glowing, warming glow. <laughs> all the way to the bedchamber on Instagram at Purple Dungeon Squid. Until next time, I keep it dank. Fuck, I am high.